smoking and talking about drinking and stuff and i literally i was i was going through um my fridge and uh i found a small it's like a really tiny it's a baby can of uh red's cider which i haven't had in like five fucking years so although i said i haven't been drinking in a while i am going to i'm going to drink tonight we are recording at uh, at close to close to two o'clock in the morning. It is me and and gnarly Charlie. I'm on his schedule. I'm operating on his frequency right now. <laughs> and uh, and you know, uh, there's what's what's the catchphrase for red cider? Uh, something along the lines of, "It's never too late to make a bad decision." Oh, I I I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know, man. Uh, <laughs> I I completely made that up. But oh, oh, I believe you. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a it's a sugary eight percent, and it and it tastes all right. That stuff, man, like ciders. They it's just like Harper and City anymore for me. <laughs> You're getting old. I, I'm not even that fucking old, man. I don't fucking get it. Now you're making me wonder if I should have grabbed the beer. But I'm like, eh. Also- you're you're microdosing. Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 make me don't make me know anything. So, so we were talking about weed. I think right now we were talking about how, uh, bef- before we jumped into recording, our first line of thought naturally is, "What are you smoking recently?" and uh, gnarly Charlie mentioned that he's been uh, sitting on some Northern Lights, which is a indica leaning hybrid, and we both said pretty much at the same time that we we don't smoke sativas anymore, and it's because of our acute social anxiety. <laughs> we get we get so stoned that be, we become hyper aware. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like when I was younger. Not even younger. It was only like five, six years ago. I'm talking like two, two or so years <laughs> yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, and like you know, the sativa was all I wanted. Indica was like the cheap mid type stuff that you know, unless unless a name brand came around like Northern Lights or something, then yeah, I would smoke it. But otherwise, I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want any of that, you know, indica shit. But now it's kind of flipped on its head, and it's the complete opposite way now. 
I, I don't better understand. better for your brain, better for your mind. I uh, I recently purchased uh, the uh, Indica leading Blue Dream, the Indica leading Pineapple Skunk, and the Indica straight of Tiger's Milk. And I believe I have a crumble of pineapple skunk, which smells beautiful. I'm not the type of person who goes, mmm, the smell of weed. But, like, pineapple skunk smells very sweet. Smells like a very sweet ocean breeze. Um, and I believe that is what I'm smoking today. So, gin gin. Very nice. Yeah, I pulled uh, I pulled my little my little bubbler out of retirement because it's uh it's easier on my throat. I've been smoking too many blunts lately, and my throat is <laughs> not reacting very well to it. Uh, that is a unfortunate fact. Um, I haven't used a water piece in a while, but uh, a while I mean like a couple months. But yeah, I mostly just stick with my old my old blue pipe that I've had for a decade. That cost me a small fortune. It's a good piece. It is a good piece, but what's that made out of? Uh, it's just like it's just glass, but the way it's done, it looks weird because it felt like stone. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like glass etched or something. It's not like your typical like blown glass. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's made by. It's a really it's a really interesting piece. It doesn't feel like glass when you when you hold it in your hand. It feels like you're holding a rock. Yeah, it's um it's a company in Philly. It was called something Liberty. It was like the zip code Liberty or whatever for the area that the shop was in. Um, the guy who kind of like pioneered that style of like glass work, I guess he passed away about six months after I actually bought that piece. Um, so it's like one of the last pieces that he actually made. Not that it, it's worth any value, but it's just like a little bit of information. No, about but it. that's, that's really pretty cool. neat. Right. <clears throat> um, so I guess his shop's still around and some of his protégés are trying to carry on his work. But it's pretty neat to have something that's like kind of unique that the guy That's even started cooler. With. I knew a lot of glass blowers in, in college. They were really cool. That's yeah, interesting shit, but it's also a pretty penny. <laughs> Absolutely. Not about that I've anymore. actually, I've been waiting myself. I, I, I know I'm trying to get away from, like, my, my, my bowl. It's just, it tears up my throat, man. I, I cough way too much on this show. I, people might not hear it. People might not like see it because I cut it out right. <laughs> so much of what I'm recording. I was like, I don't want people hearing me hack up a goddamn lung just because I giggled at like a fart joke. But like, I my my throat has not recovered <laughs> from all of the weed that I smoke. So I'm constantly trying to find better ways to smoke. And honestly, I need to go to my my local head shop over in. Uh, south bethlehem i need to go get um i need to go get a bong and i'm thinking like an ice chamber like a like a double chamber with like an ice so i could drop some in there make it nice and smooth make it nice and cool uh i remember that that crazy pong i had built that some crazy bitch smashed uh that had a nice <laughs> catcher and that was they they are really sweet especially to have that like if you have a long tube like glass piece like you know tall stand my there brother had one i i yeah no he he had a double chamber glass slider it was like a d force or like a delta force type of a brand name thing probably went for 200 300 dollars um i know that 
I think I broke it. Oh. I think I broke it and I was like, I, I definitely blamed it on someone else. <laughs> and and he was just like, it's fine. I don't even smoke out of bongs anymore. And it made me feel so bad that I went out and I got him another bong, which was the Pokemon one. Oh, nice. And yeah, it had a Pokemon slider piece, a Pokeball in the second chamber. It was like a triple chamber bong. I, I think I paid probably half as much as what the D-Force was worth, and uh, probably two weeks into owning it, he smashes the Pokemon one. <laughs> and he's just like, he's like, yeah, this is why I don't own bongs. I, I can't, I, I, I break glass pieces way too frequently, and my stepbrother's the same way. I got him a glass blunt for Christmas. He said it didn't even last the month of January. No shit. I was like, dude, I paid, I paid like 60 bucks for that glass blunt. And you're telling me you couldn't even keep it alive. And he was like, nah. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so, uh, I don't know. I think I brought it over to your place once. It's a Hedy's tube. It looked like a train whistle, uh, Uh, just a glass cylinder. Um, I walked into, to my head shop and I told them that my, my brother breaks every bong he's ever owned. And they were like, but he likes smoking out of glass or, or like the feeling of glass. And I'm like, absolutely. And they gave me this headies tube, which is made with a specific type of glass resin. And the dude literally uh, picked it up and tossed it like five feet across the room <laughs> let it bounce into like a corner and the shit like hit the floor, hit the wall, bounced off and then, and then came to rest on the ground and it feels like glass. And I I think I brought it over to your place once and I, I got that for my brother for probably, I think like 60 or 70 bucks. And, uh, I am proud to say that it is still alive. (laughs) He's dropped it so many times and, and looked at me and been like, Yo, this thing is indestructible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's why I fucking got it for your dumbass. <laughs> yeah, as long as it holds up, that's amazing. For real, no, it's it, and that's why I'm giving it a shout out. If you can buy a Hedies H E D D I E S, um, they will last you. I I have seen it with my own eyes drop four or five feet, and still, you know still not have a crack in it and it's just it's just a little tube it looks like a like a glass train whistle huh it's very funny i have to see if i can i mean not that i i I i've only broken like one or two things myself but um yeah nothing's worse than investing money into a nice piece and then having it break for whatever bullshit reason i i have had a bowl since high school that that is still intact. Uh, I think my brother has broken almost, almost every bowl or every piece he's ever had. I think he has he has one bowl that's lasted him five years. Everything else has been broken, and I'm talking ten to twelve different other devices. At one point, he had a collection of like glass animals. Ooh. Like one of them was a. One of them was a peacock where the head was where you you pack and the top flower on the back tail 
had the the tube for where you pull and you basically pull the peacock's head off uh for the slider and um that shit was smashed by my mother when when she found it and asked what it was and he said it was like a like a vapor infuser or something like something something for uh i don't know like incense yeah or something like an incense holder yeah and she was just like bullshit and just knocked it <laughs> off a shelf and it just fucking smashed into a million pieces. I remember seeing that. He also had a an elephant where you kind of you pack in like you pack on like its back and and it stands and then you pull from the from the trunk which is arched in like a pipe shape. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was fun. He had names for him and everything. I think he had a zebra or like a, a hippo or something. He had a he had a bunch of different animals, and I can tell you that none of them have survived. They are they are extinct. Well, I mean, unfortunately, animals do go extinct. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, they all have their time on this earth. Um, which which is it's 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 funny that we kind of we kind of seg into that. Uh, into that perspective, just because I, uh, I had a, I had a conversation planned for today's episode. Like, you know, it's, it's episode 196, Charles. Holy shit, (laughs) And, and we have been doing this show for four years and you, you were on episode like 20. So you've you've been around. This is your fourth episode. You tend to do an episode every like quarter. <laughs> and this is this is your fourth episode. This is your fourth quarter. This is your your yearly uh con- contribution. And uh I was looking at my numbers and I I don't think I've officially said it on the podcast. I made a post um for the new year because I was, I was steadily tracking our numbers for the closeout of 2020 because let's be honest, there's no, no industry thrived in 2020 as much as like podcasts and like video games and like at home entertainment. Oh, of course. Because people were stuck. Yeah. People, people have developed, uh, at home tendencies that they are now going to hold on to. And luckily we had been, uh, established enough on platforms to really see an increase this year, um, in listens. And I, I don't have the exact number for the year. Um, I have to imagine it was somewhere around, uh, probably like 60, 60k listens whether that means someone clicked a link and listened for one second or someone clicked the link and listened to the entire three hours right um i think we had like 60k clicks but when i looked up the lifetime clicks we are somewhere at like a hundred and sixty four thousand mm-hmm in four years. So if we were to average that, that's around 40, you know, 42, 41 K a year. I know we weren't getting that the first year, which is why I say that it's, it's definitely a sliding, a sliding bar. And 
on the same site that I was reading these numbers, I was seeing that I think we did something like something like 8k alone uh this last November and December. Oh wow. Yeah. Like people people were stuck at home for the holidays and they were fucking feeling it. <laughs> when I was looking up um stats on where our website lands on like RSS feeds, they're just different uh statistical websites you can visit that host and um i looked it up and there's something it's not it's not a hard figure to believe but there's something like 1.6 million rss feeds uh with with podcasts established podcasts uh floating around you know the internet um i i saw the statistic that we are in the uh the top 10 percent which is, I am happily to say, somewhere in the top 100,000 podcasts <laughs> in existence. So here's, here's to us. I'm going to put some kids cheering in the background. Uh, we've, Charles, we've made it to episode 196, and, uh, and people, uh, people haven't canceled us yet. Well, I mean, <clears throat> you've done a pretty damn good job on keeping everything, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to say under wraps, but under control. Um, and you put a hell of a lot of work into it, man. I mean, and even anybody that just follows, you know, the social media net would see, you know, the stats that you posted. I saw the stats that you posted. Um, and those are, you know, those are great numbers. Uh, it, it takes time to grow things and uh dedication more so than anything it's the same with anybody who's trying to start a youtube channel or twitch or whatever it might be i wish we were doing those types of numbers on youtube that would would be a dream come true well you know that's those are all things down the line but the the audio aspect you know it's a lot more people are putting on a podcast from you know whether it's google play or uh the apple's you know um iTunes. iTunes. Yeah, I'm not yeah. an Apple guy, sorry. <laughs> um, but in that aspect is, is you know, myself, I'm at work, I throw a podcast on. Um, a lot of other people I work with do the same thing. A lot of people at home, you're cleaning your house or something. We're hitting a point now where a lot of people are th- just throwing podcasts on instead of just turning on the radio. Um, and it, oh, agreed. It, it's that en- entertainment factor, that, that almost socializing aspect that we've been missing out through quarantine. It's kind of nice to, you know, be able to get engaged a little bit and uh whether it's a story or just some back and forth banter about something it's, it's something a lot of people like to partake in so you know the dedication and, and doesn't that feel nice for for such an armchair show that we exist on you know <laughs> it's it's such a sit down pack a bowl and just listen you know and and laugh and and even in some cases read along or watch along with us you know i'm I am actively trying to build our YouTube. Um, you know, I'm, I have two other series in development right now. I, I have so many things planned. Um, I, I know that if we can do these types of numbers on the podcast, uh, in four years, I would love, and I'm, I'm saying it now on episode 196, I would love to see where we're at, where we're at in another four years. 
Well, I mean, so you know, it's not going to go down. I'm, it's only going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's my thing. You know, you only you only gain traction and you only gain, you know, a following by continuing to to upload and and sticking to a schedule and keeping that going. And I'm I'm not going to say that like I'm going to ironclad do this every week for the rest of my existence. Um, but you know, like as long as this remains fresh and original and no one stops me from doing it and I still have people to do it with, you know, I could, I could see our 30 some guests eventually getting chopped down to like 10 just because of people's lives and expected, uh, phasing in and out of, of, certain activities in their lives and I'm, I'm staring at my weed right now as I say that <laughs> uh, I just you know I as long as I have people and a platform uh, I will continue to dance like a monkey for people's entertainment well uh, I want to kind of iterate the fact that it's more of just I don't want to say a hobby because these are things we'd be doing anyways if it was just us you know what I mean? Oh, if we were just hanging out, you know that we'd be tripping face talking about God and shit. Right. That's like, like, all, all we're doing is just recording and broadcasting the ramblings that would normally happen, reading spooky stories or watching a movie, doing the same right. thing. It's just the fact that now oh, it's man, being that's, broadcasted. That's another thing I want to talk to you about. At some point, I know in this next like season, I'm going to start doing movie commentary tracks. Ooh. So... So think about a movie you want to watch. Uh, I will. I will probably have you come over here so we can watch it in my studio together. Mm. But I will put it up on the TV and we'll record active commentary to us watching. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever great horror movie or weak ass fucking horror movie you want to watch. I have. I'm already. I'm already compiling. A list. I was gonna say. I I just put like ten in my head, and it's sad that they're all like eighties. <laughs> well, well, what's what's your number one at the at even the mere suggestion? At at the, and this is gonna be very fucking stereotypical of me. Uh, Alien or Aliens, one or two. Oh, totally. Um, I kind of want to lean one because it's actually a bit more horror. Part two is, in my, you know, it's obviously a bit more action. Action. Uh, but the yeah. first one is is a lot of suspense horror. And uh, it, it sounds really weird because it's in space and all. It's an alien. It's not like, you know, Jason or zombies, right. whatever the hell, you know, people consider as horror. But uh, the original Alien movie was fucking done right, man. Uh, it's long, oh, it's, it's boring, but it's that's the whole point. It's meant it really to be is suspenseful. A in, in sci-fi uh, culture, uh, there's a lot of cheesy shit too. I'm, I'm down to watch some campy shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. What's on the other side of the spectrum that sparks your brain? Uh, this isn't even where I was going to go with campy, but more on the ridiculous side is Puppet Master. Oh, I would love to watch Puppet Master. Yeah, that that'd be a good one. Too. I haven't seen Puppet Master uh, in like ten years. In in the front of my brain, I know, I absolutely know that the first one I have to do is the awful fucking Slenderman movie. Oh, I never saw that. It's so bad. I refuse. And I know. I know who I. I know who I would have on that recording, and it would be my buddy Tenron Otrin because. We saw that movie together in theater, and we were cracking each other up by just turning to each other and and just talking so much shit 
as the movie went on that I <laughs> that I know if I get him back in a seat and and put on a movie in front of him, he's going to go, what are you doing? What are we doing? What's that? Oh, no. And then I just <laughs> press record on the next hour and 20 minutes because it is it is an awful fucking film and there is so much to be said about it <laughs> i refuse to watch it as soon as i saw the trailer came out i was like done like that meme like peter griffin going done getting up and walking done. out that's exactly my life so, I was like that's it so when i do a commentary for it that'll that'll bring you to it. you'll need to watch oh it I'll, I'll, I'll definitely play that with the, the movie because i uh that trailer made me all forms of irate and not that Slender Man wasn't already just, like, overused yeah, online and everything. Like, they, right. they came in fucking four or five years too late. But uh, Oh, fuck. Uh, minimally. Yeah, right. Like, I'm trying to be optimistic here. If they wanted here. to be on top of it, they would have had a movie coming out the same time that, that fucking Marble Hornets was trying to do shit. Yes. You know, and, and even they were five or six years late. I did hear, and I, I hate to play devil's advocate, and I have a huge tendency to play devil's advocate for anything and everything. Oh, I, I'm down for that. I do the same. Um, but from my understanding, I heard that they had the movie in the works, and granted who it was under, it was still supposed to be PG-13 because that's how you get the monies at the movie theaters. Um, but it was in the works, and it was actually supposed to be a bit more of a psychological horror i guess kind of like how slender man is supposed to be um but then that uh that child murder thing happened where that girl do uh, they took that girl out in the woods and stabbed her and she yep yep um, over in wisconsin right and they said that's kind of what botched everything was because they didn't want it a, absolutely did you might have even heard that on on our show because we we talked about it like uh when we got back from seeing the movie, I had done so much research that I literally, you know, got on the show and said, like, you can tell from the trailer how much shit they cut out of this movie because the product does not match that trailer. Yeah. They cut out, they cut out every gruesome scene from that trailer. The, the, the little African American child does not stab herself in the eye with a scalpel. The, the older Syrian looking kid does not jump off of the top of his school building. There is not a girl running through the woods in a nightgown covered in blood, uh, who gets picked up by the cops. She is not in the movie. All three of those things are in the trailer though. Right. Yeah, it's just so a, there is so much they cut from the movie, both both before and after the killings. I think once the director knew he couldn't get an R rating, they took away a lot of the gruesome deaths. Once the the two little girls stabbed the third little girl in the woods, now she survived. Yes, but once that was done, uh, they cut the entire crazy little girl aspect from the movie. Mm-hmm. So it. It lost a plot point and it lost some serious consequences. And you do that to a movie. What else? What else is left that matters? And the answer is character. And let me tell you, you're not watching 2018's fucking Slender Man for for character development, right? <laughs> no, not not exactly starring Daniel Day Lewis as the Slender Man. Holy crap! That came out in 2018. I think. It was one of the, it was, it was a movie experience I remember over the last two or three years. It's been, it's been during the show. Damn. 
and I, and I say two or three years ago, because that's, that's when we talked about it on the podcast. It was episode, there's an episode in the eighties, I think somewhere where, uh, Ted Ron and I are talking about that movie. Hmm. Ah, oh, man. But you know, uh, to, to, to spin the wheel the other way, I think one of the, one of the movies I want to talk about, like the most on the show, uh, is the, the blob remake from 88. Ooh, okay. Fantastic special effects, fantastic writing, pacing, directing. Um, I have a bunch of fun facts in the back of my head, you know. I think that's that's something I want to watch with someone who's never seen that before. Um, That would be... Well, no, I shouldn't say that would be a hard pull. I'm sure there's plenty of people that haven't seen that. The Blob is obscure. I'm not going to pretend that it's not. The Blob is really obscure, and, and it's coming off of a, a 50s black-and-white original flick that um, that is only known, I would say, uh, rurally, because I believe it was filmed in uh, Pittsburgh. Or Philadelphia, somewhere around here. And... Um, and the remake, uh, the remake is one of the most solid remakes of all time. I would, I would put it up there with the thing, uh, invasion of the body snatchers, uh, 78, um, all good movies, a lot of, lot of good ones that, that got remade all around the same time. Oh God. That's another movie that instantly goes on the list. Invasion of the body snatchers is good too. Yeah. I, whether you're watching the, uh, the fifties one or the eighties one, they're both, they're both solid. I gotta start putting the list together. That's just what I gotta do. Because there's, <laughs> there's gonna be so many things that come to mind. Yeah, man. Uh, that that is something I want to start. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little break after we do the 200th special, because um, that's gonna have that's gonna have a different edit for the YouTube than it's gonna have for the podcast. So that's gonna come out a little bit more sporadically, mm. and then I'm gonna give myself like a month off to just kind of plan shit, get stuff downloaded, get stuff lined up. And I know that the schedule is going to have, uh, commentaries. I, I want to do one, one, probably every 10 episodes moving forward, grab a different person, watch a different movie in the studio and just riff on it the entire time. Right. The idea is that, uh, the person at home brings up their, their internet browser brings up their, uh, uh, grabs grabs their DVD or opens up Netflix. You know, I'll I'll find a good way to get people to watch it alongside us, um, even through illegal means. Ah, everybody wants um, to be a pirate, man. It's easier now more than ever. Oh, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> God bless America. So, uh, we we've been we've been talking for uh, a little while about a, a bunch of different things i'm really excited i'm glad to have you here I'm glad to be here um, man. your 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 perspective uh and your your opinion matters to me <laughs> as one of my close friends <laughs> so uh we tend to have i would consider deep conversations on this show i would say we go in a lot of uh a lot of different directions and each of your episodes is kind of a, 
an example of that. You know, we look back at your first episode, and this is this is the 200th episode speaking in the back of my head. You know, each of your episodes has, has a, uh, uh, I would say, a significant impact on, on the show's level of understanding because we, we cover such specific topics. And in the first one, I feel like we talk about fear and darkness and, you know, the idea of an other side ghosts do you believe in them do you do you feel them you know what are your experiences with them or or haunted things i know that the show was so new at that time that it seemed like we were all over the place reading a bunch of different video games and shit but really the heart of that episode is you know ghosts and creepy things and then you know we we took a we took a little break in the next episode i had you come back we discussed aliens. <laughs> and I know, I know my boy over here loves aliens. Is he, he, the first thing out of his mouth is, what movie do you want to watch? He says alien. <laughs> you know, this guy, this guy is the guy to talk to aliens about. <laughs> I don't know if it's a, an obsession with aliens. I just think it's just the most plausible aspect of like, I don't want to say the supernatural, but like ghosts and everything. And people have their theories, heaven, hell, God, you know, whatever. Oh, we're going to get there. Whatever supernatural there might be. Aliens is pretty damn fucking plausible. That's the reason I think I, I lean more scientifically. It. Right. Statistically, statistically, there's other life out there. You know what I mean? And it, I think that's just what, what kind of puts it over the top for me compared to everything else. Oi, hold on. I got to yell at this cat. We're trying to do a podcast here. <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Just come in and smack the door down. She uh, <laughs> she's bapping a toy around, and it ended up in the bathroom. So it's like rolling across the fucking wood floor, and it's just. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear it until you pointed it out. Uh, I just didn't know if my side was gonna pick it up. <laughs> oh right. All right, I got everything closed out. So, in, in your second episode, we talked about aliens, and I love that conversation because there's so many different directions you can go in. It's not just the do you believe in aliens, but, like, what do you what do you think about them? And that that's fun, and I'll save that for people to go back. You know, I'm, I'm giving you a, a history uh, shout-out. You know, go back and, and listen to Gnarly Charlie's other episodes. Uh, the last one we had, which feels like we did it, like, a month ago, but it was really, like back like almost a year ago yeah, <laughs> um like i arguably i'm i'm tempted to say before corona hmm that's a... let me see if i could let me that's that's a fine wager let me see if i could pull that up when did this episode come i remember we were talking about uh how crazy um what the hell's his name? Alex Jones. Oh, Alex Jones. Yeah, no, that that was your last episode. That's that's the one I'm trying to find right now. Eight months ago. Okay, so it was. It was right around the start of Corona. Yeah, that might have been a topic. So, uh... We did, we did the, the greatest fucking conspiracy of all. We did, like, the Illuminati. We did conspiracy theories. We talked about, like, did we talk about cryptids? 
Uh, we might have. We talked about a, a bunch of things. We talked about a lot. Of <laughs> it was a good one. That's that's close to three hours of us just talking about shit. Yeah. There was no story. We literally just read articles and and talked shit on so many topics. We we talked about Pizzagate. We talked about the Illuminati. We talked about the JFK assassination. 9-11. Man, there was so much shit. <laughs> I, I wanted to test something real quick. So, yeah. if I type... Oh. Hold on. Just because I wanted to pull it up, like I was trying to find that uh, that episode, like you were, and I was trying to pull it up through my phone on... Uh, what's the app called now? Google Podcasts or something? Um, yeah. And uh, the way they list things, it's just easier just to type, like, the first few letters of the podcast into the search bar, and it pulls up a list of them. And just kind of going back to what you were saying about how many streams and everything you're getting and being in the top 10%, right? I think, yeah. I think of the World Podcast. If I type L-O-T-S right now, uh, you are... So it, it, that's just the word lots, right? That's not, like, yeah. the podcast is lots of... Just typing in the word lots, yours is a third result. Hell and that's, yeah. you have people who have like the podcast odd lots or lots to grow, like all, you know, gardening type nonsense, lots of pulp, shit like that. But lots of, <laughs> it comes up before half of them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it's going by popularity. So I just, uh, I thought that was just a little, little neat bit that's of info tossed in there. Yeah, in my statistics, they even go so far as to tell me uh, what platform. Oh, they give me a pie. They give me a pie chart, and they say, by platform, how are your people listening? Yeah. And 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 all of them are are there. You know, iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher. That's that's actually how I found the one website that that just mass RSS feeds. I think it's called Find Me a Podcast. Like literally something as simple as that. Uh, it just it farms RSS feeds in a in a global database. And when you look up the shows, you know it, it literally. If you are the owner of the show, I believe it tells you that your your statistic and position of of how many listens you get. And I think our rating on there is something like two out of five stars. I don't even give a fuck. That means people <laughs> are listening. I don't care. I don't care if you like this show. I just care that you're listening to us. <laughs> You gotta. You, if you don't find us entertaining, go find a different fucking podcast to listen to. Well, I, I know that the vocal minority is the people who listen to two minutes of this show and go, "This is dumb," and then give it like one star. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Well, it's gonna be its own community. That's with anything, you know. There, there's the majority of people, like even with creepy pastas, only you know, a certain group of people are going to be listening to this type of thing. Then you have your own niche on top of it. Right. With the style we are the of this. niche on niche. That's what I mean. <laughs> like, like you got a section of the pie chart is people who listen to creepy stories from Reddit. And then there's only a section of that group that are the type of people who that want to really fucking stoned. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Obviously I know who I'm marketing to. Right. We need to get into the, we need to get into the big discussion because I don't have a big story planned for us today, but I, I can see the discussion lasting another fucking half an hour. So the big discussion, you know, we talk about fear. We talk about the other side, the afterlife. We talk about aliens. We talk about 
global and national conspiracies. Uh, I think it's I think it's time that we talk about uh, the capital G, lowercase O D. Oh, that's what we're talking about today. Mm. And I know you and I have already had this conversation, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start with how you feel about religion before I I ramble uh, <laughs> before I ramble for a good probably five five minutes straight um oof, uh so i i want to clarify i know this is why I, this is why i wanted so people don't know that i had to i had to farm gnarly charlie for like three weeks and sprinkle him with water to make him grow to get on this show tonight oof. so he he needed to be ready for this and i knew he needed to be ready for this i couldn't just force this conversation upon him uh, it's, it's, it's why we're talking about it now. <laughs> How do you feel about religion? Okay. Well, let me, uh, let me start off. I, I do plan on actually trying to come on a lot more often. I kind of need to get something else oh, going on. In my... No, no, no. But it's, no, no, no. This <laughs> I, is know, an excuse. I know where you are. Um, it's just work and everything is absolute nightmare, especially with the pandemic. Oh, your schedule is um, ass. But it's, I think a lot of my issues, the fact that I haven't, I'm not doing anything outside of work. I'm working, coming home, going to bed, playing some mindless video games to try to occupy my mind. And I think that's part of the issue. I think I need to focus on something. So my goal is to, to get on here <clears throat> and try to do something a little bit more often. Um, but on that topic of uh, uh, and uh, religion, I, I, I need to specify this. Uh, religion is not the same as faith in my aspect. Uh, I'm sure most people I feel would that. agree with that. Um religion i think of the aspect of like the church i don't really agree with the way a lot of things are done with the church you know i guess we're talking about both of those things right though. that's what i mean i i, I want to specify like when i talk about religion i'm talking about the church people go to i think we are going to talk about both of those. um and uh and faith in god uh, i myself uh, i think the term's agnostic uh, at least that's the term i've been using for some time where i think there is something i just think i'm not smart enough to know what it is and i think you're a fool if you do uh and that's not insulting anybody um if people had their experience no i say go ahead and insult people i'm <laughs> going to i mean i if somebody wants to believe in something this is just my belief with pretty much everything in life just like with people smoking weed or boozing or whatever their poison is to get through life i have no judgments on anybody as long as you're not hurting anybody else um, and I, that's and that's my problem. Religion has caused almost every difference of opinion and war in in history of all time. That's why I'm not for religion. Religion is almost <laughs> the big backer gasoline dumpster fire of every war. Right. The crusades, arguably, everything. arguably the one factor that stops people from being humans. I mean, and not to do a hot button topic here. I don't like talking politics on, especially in a podcast like this. Totally. Uh, but uh, the prime minister, uh, is it Malaysia or Indonesia, something like that? Um, you can fact check that. Uh, just put a tweet out, basically uh, encouraging Muslims to genocide the people of France because of crusades that happened so many thousand years ago. 
right. a thousand years ago, whatever the hell it was. There is no, there is no burying the hatchet with religion, right? Because religion is a doctrine. It is a, a following of orders and papers and rules. You know, it's a the the trail leads back so far up so many people's asses that you can't you you can justify it however the fuck you want but at the end of the day that's what you're doing right and you're justifying your actions uh, under the decree of saying that someone is telling you to do this because it is what they believe is right. Right, and it, you know, as we stated from the beginning with the Crusades, it caused so many wars, even to today's standards, you know, it's just ridiculous. That's why I'm not a fan of religion in that aspect. Um, no, religion is a cult, and right. I, I can sum up my opinion pretty succinctly by saying religion, as it is practiced, uh, like the community, the, the foundation... It's a cult. Right. And I mean, that's not even... By a, definition, it's a cult. <laughs> getting into the topic of, on a smaller scale compared to people encouraging genocide is, you know, the pedophiles and everything, like the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church. The Catholic Church. The, the, the conspiracy of the Catholic Church. I'm sure we talked about that in your last episode. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, it's It's been proven. Oh, of course. It's been proven to exist. So... Why are you still in a system that enables that? It it, it blows my fucking mind right, that there ahead. are whole countries of people still supporting these systems um, because of what I would view as a, a weakness in their logistics, a weakness in, in how they comprehend knowledge. Yeah, um, a lot of people want that, um, that, I don't want to say leadership, but they feel they need that guidance or that security, but my understanding, or at least my belief is you don't... Yeah, I know, it's, you know, it's it's the scapegoat for a lot of things. It's right. the scapegoat for responsibility, uh, because you could say that your actions are not your own, your actions are, are a part of a, a decree. Right, a divine plan. You know, uh, it's... It's the scapegoat for, <clears throat> for, I don't know, <coughs> what's, what my idea of the afterlife, people think that if you act a certain way in your life that it'll lead you to uh, cleaner pastures on the other side. Uh, that's, in my opinion, that's people having a scapegoat for their existence. They're, they are pushing their life under the rug to say it'll be better uh, when I don't have to deal with this shit anymore, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll all be better because I've lived a very devout and securing lifestyle. I, I've believed in something so fucking hard, so fucking hard that, uh, that I, I think I'm going to get a, a planet when I die. <laughs> And and I will be the ruler of how fucking self serving, right? How selfish. Well, I, how selfish religion and faith can be sometimes. To play a little, and it's and it's also you can sleep better at night, right? Like at the end of the day, it's it's because of existentialism and, and nihilism. You 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 don't want to admit that your life is a scientific experiment, and at one at one point in your life, the 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 lights are literally just going to go out on you. 
Right, well... You want to believe that when the lights go out, something happens. Well, yeah. You know, you, you <laughs> want to. And there's, there's a scientific phenomenon that does happen. The neurons in your brain charge to a, such a fucking severity that it only happens one other time in your life, and that's when you're being born. Oh yeah, I mean. So the... so something something scientific and something something crazy does happen when you die. But but there are people saying that they're going to be floating on clouds, sipping iced tea, <laughs> with with uh, fucking uh, Elvis Presley, you know, uh, Michael Jackson, <laughs> like like he's going to be in heaven first off. But like, you know, it it, it blows my mind. Well, Sometimes. I want to play again as I did earlier. I want to play a little de- oh, devil's it. advocate, um, and and kind of going on my aspect of the difference between religion and faith. Um, I think a lot of people that I know, you know, even myself personally, you tend to be a good person because you morally just want to be a good person. Um, you don't well, go. Without... I want to be treated well, so I treat those around me well. Right. You know, exactly. Like I, it, there, it, there is a. It 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 is self serving. You uh, know it. If you go around being a dick to everyone, I can't imagine that someone is going to just be nice to you. Well, and that, that's part of the point is usually, you know, you help somebody, it's an inconvenience for you, but when you're done, you feel better about yourself for doing that. And granted, in that aspect, that is a little selfish, but you're also doing good. You're doing good and receiving good in return. Um, I, I, I kind of stand by that belief of, you know, that, like you said, doing to others as you wish others would do unto you. You, you want to be treated fairly. You want to treat others fairly. That's how. And I would it. say, f- I would say maybe a third of all religions believe that. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't done the research in that aspect, but again, I'm just talking I'd about. I ballpark it between a, th- a third and and like a half. Well, I mean, they all have their excuses and their loopholes to be able to do war crimes Absolutely. and genocides on other people because they don't have the same faith. But I'm not getting on that point. I'm talking about as like a a moral or if you want to say faith standpoint. Oh, no, not... I, you can take this, you could take this in any direction you want. I, right. I was, I was ready for us to, to talk about history. I was ready to talk about, uh, the afterlife. I was ready to talk about the community. You oh, know, I want to get to that. Whatever, whatever aspect <laughs> you want to talk about, you know, when, when, it, when the question gets asked, you know, like, are you a believer? You said agnostically, yes, you think, yeah, you know, there there is a a higher power, but it is not something the human brain can, can wanna, comprehend or or even witness. I want to clarify on that. I don't think that there is an almighty in the sense of like the way you know a regular Christian may look at it as like there's a God, and then he okay. said Jesus. I don't look at it in that aspect. I'm agnostic in the point that I think that there's something beyond. Again, it's not floating in the clouds. Um, <laughs> uh, more so, and, and let me very, let me clarify on this aspect, um, just because this is a deep thought. We've had this discussion. I've had this discussion with many people. Um, I think going through life and thinking that when it's done, it's done. It's not entirely like the most depressing thing in the world. I think that's something like I myself could come to terms with. Where if they're like, "Hey, scientifically proven, when you die, you die. That's it. That's fine." Because I go to sleep every night and majority of the time i don't wake up remembering dreams and you know what's not all that bad <laughs> like just flicking no, the switch sleep off is, you know sleep what is I mean? fine sleep is fine but i'm just talking about the aspect of shutting the switch off and you are no longer here right isn't the right. worst thing in the world no. um no but i but i know that there are 
huge various spectrums of humanity who are deeply, deeply unsettled by that fact. Oh, of course. And there always will be. That'll never go away. Nobody ever no. wants to think about the fact that you cannot, one day this you is cannot all going get to come rid to of the void. Right. Um, it's just. <laughs> the void exists. I think people are too under the impression that, like, just when you're over. Uh, like when it's when you're over, like when you're done and it's over, they can't, their brain can't comprehend the aspect of just nothing. And they keep trying to put themselves as if they're in nothingness. And that's not what it is. Right. There's just not nothing it else. It's an absence. Right. You it's yourself don't exist. There's no consciousness. You yourself don't exist. You right. don't have feeling. You don't have, you don't have thought. Right. So it, it stops. There's no loneliness. There's no aspect because you there's, just no exactly. longer exist. Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's so it's so taboo to imagine. And the closest thing is fucking sleep and it's because nothing exists there. Right. Um and then they said if you are not it, I am the type of person who blinks and I wake up. Like in between that in between that is my eyelids being closed and then my eyes rolling into the back of my head and me exiting my life. And to touch back on the sleep aspect and what you also said prior about like how like the death aspect of having that experience of what your body goes through right at the point of death. Right. That the moments briefly before and into the moment of death, um, those charges that your body goes through. A similar thing happens when you go to sleep where your pineal gland does these dumps of DMT. That's actually right. what how you – when you're dreaming, you're technically tripping. That's why you have weird dreams. I was actually going to tell you I had one with you today uh, when Yo. I slept. <laughs> Very odd. It was probably obviously because I was thinking about the podcast. But the podcast we was also involved yeah. in the dream. It was kind of neat. Uh, two guests. Oh, my God. Um, are we, are I, we alive? Are we awake right now? <laughs> I'm telling you. Is this – is, is this, I, I is can't this make this happening? up. Two guests that are from the, from the show were in the dream. Uh, unfortunately, I remembered it when I woke up who they were. But as I started to become more cognitive and, and awake, I, I it slipped out of my mind. But I remember we had an Airbnb somewhere. And it was me, you, uh, a couple other friends of ours, and two guests from the show were all there and we were going to do a podcast recording and it was probably just some shenanigans and stuff happening again, super yeah. weird house location. I've never experienced before in my life. Um, but referencing that is, you know, emotions are in the brain DMT dump in your sleep to keep your brain cognitive because it doesn't actually fully shut down while you're asleep. And you pull from what, you know, right. you pull from what you've experienced. Your mind fills gaps it in can't, order to make dreams happen. It can't make something out of nothing because it doesn't Correct. exist. Um, matter. But, when you die, getting into that point, um, like how you dream when you're asleep, it's because your brain's technically hallucinating off of DMT. When you die, they've studied it, and your pineal gland does insane amounts of DMT dumps right at the point of death. Right. Um, where, like, they, they've even talked about how, like, people freeze at the moment when, like, they're being attacked by an animal or whatever it might be. And they talk about this insane euphoria effect of like almost ecstasy and pure bliss. It's because your brain goes, we're fucked. We are shutting this down and we're trying Signing to make this off. as comfortable as possible. Right. <laughs> you it's, know. The, it's the warm, it's the warm, soft blanket of the void saying it's okay. Right. And that's, that is okay. Inherently that has to be okay as a, as a organic experience. And Which that, is what a human is. You have to, you have to rationalize this. I think that aspect could very well be, well, I personally believe very, 
very definitively that that's the experience people have where they see the light at the end of the tunnel or they see dead family members or whatever. It's because they're so diehard in their faith that when, right. when their brain starts saying, let's go dump it all. We, you know, we're, we're on the way out. We got to make this person feel comfortable, which is very fucking weird in a sense. What you think about that? Your body does that, um, that that's what you're experiencing as you, as you die. Um, that's why I said, I do yeah. believe that happens and I do believe that's what reinforces people's, uh, faith, especially in the common day religions that we have. My aspect is I think that when you die and the same aspect of what I said about when you dream, you can't create something from nothing. I think that also goes in part with us. I think when we die, I don't think we as ourselves, as we acknowledge ourselves, go to the clouds. Um, but more so, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, everything comes from something. We're all from the same thing. We're all made of stardust. It's, you know, all these weird cliches. Uh, I think it goes back to something. Just what it is, like I said, I don't think I'm smart enough to understand or comprehend whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, there, there was a fun story we read. I think it was 182. I had my last newest guest on, uh, which is uh, DSL Daisy. Give her a shout out. Uh she and I read a story about a, a little kid who dies, but he continues to be able to talk. Oh. And he, he gives almost a walkie-talkie relay of what he's experiencing, and it's something along the lines of, in uh, in a 15-minute conversation, uh, in our terms, this kid talks through five years of an existence on a different plane. And, um, and what he witnesses, what he experiences on that plane is, is beyond description. It is, it's beyond Lovecraftian, you know, it's, it's, it, it brought so many weird things out of me belief wise. And, and this is, and this is where I was going to get into, because I'm glad you went this way with your discussion. You, you still in your, in your heart link uh religion and and perception of reality to uh someone's like breakdown period before they die um i i think of the same exact thing when i and and i think i've brought this up on the show before i rationalize that the reason so many people say that their life flashes before their eyes when they die is because your brain is literally going through itself like a memory card. Right. It's literally going back to the things that you remember the most, the things that you experienced the most and thought the most about uh, throughout your life, and that's why people have perception of heaven and hell in this moment, because if they lived an awful life if they focus enough on a bad enough thing that happened to them, who's to say that when you're dying, when you're dying and all your pistons are firing at their full cylinders, that you don't just live in that moment for what feels like an eternity, you know, maybe to, to me, that would be hell, you know? And I, I feel like I also pulled that from uh, preacher, the TV show and the, and the comic book series. Cause in hell, there are these machines that run your deepest, darkest fears on replay, on reloop, and they make you experience it over and over again. And I, I almost believe that like a fraction of that might be true, might actually be the case, which is why I think 
the religious aspect of lead a good life, live a good life, treat others how they deserve to be treated, you know, I think that matters at the end of the day. That's why I think I'm a good person. That's why I have morals and values. Um, And that's why I act a certain way, because I know that when I go back through the greatest hits fucking uh, platinum album of my life uh, at, at my time of death, I want it to be the best things. I don't want to focus on all the negative shit that happened to me. I, I did enough of that while I was alive. If I'm, if I'm going out guns blazing, I want that shit to be the best times I had with the best people around me. So that's when, when I think about, when I think about religion and faith, you know, and their interminglings, I could absolutely see the thread between the two. That, that says, you know, promotion of value and promotion of practicing a, a sacrificial and, and, you know, selfless lifestyle. Um, but at the very same time, I think humans are misguided and easy to fool, uh, very gullible. And I think that... Um, Humans do what they do best and they lie. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's so, there's so much to be said about what is wrong with religion. You know, I, I didn't even really want to go back into the history of it. Like you and I can talk about Jesus. Like, did he exist? I don't know. Probably a version of him did, but what was he God's son? Like, probably not. He was probably just a really good guy. Yeah, it was probably somebody who was just trying His to... His name probably wasn't even Jesus. He probably wasn't even talking about God. He was just a really good guy that a lot of people knew. Well, I think in the aspect that kind of reinforced just that topic specifically for me was the fact that the, the man, in the sense of like, well, how we're taking it as, as he existed as a person, maybe not as the son of God, but the fact that he's referenced in different religions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like he's in the Quran... Um, uh, I think it's Buddhism or something else references him as well. So, like, I think very well that he's a person that actually existed, and I think he just, you know, maybe was, uh, I'm trying to think of the term, I don't want to say, you know, a preacher in the aspect, but a person who was trying to guide people in a different aspect of what the common uh, dominant religion and government was at the time. And I think right. that's that's what, it, you know, may have been. I, like I said, I don't, the miracles and all that nonsense, I think that's all just spins for religion good again, storytelling specifically religion at the end not of the, the day the, uh, the bible is a uh, a fiction it's a good story you yeah, know there's some good, story. good and it does have some good you know I, i've read through a little bit of it there's actually a guy i work with that he reads through it and he isn't uh, a religious fanatic he just reads through the book to for the i don't want to say for the entertainment of stories but to try to knowledge. understand stories yeah right. um and Same reason you read an Aesop's fable. It's entertaining and there's something to be gained there. Right. And there, there is some practical oh, stories that are, uh, that, that teach a good lesson or to teach good morals and things that now that obviously there's a bunch of terrible things like right now I should be stoned to death because I am wearing two different stones of, uh, or two different types of thread. I have cotton <laughs> right. and I have polyester. <laughs> right. I should technically be stoned to death. I should also be stoned to death because I have tattoos on my body. You know, things right. I don't entirely agree with. But, uh, you know, as we reference back... Every to, religion has that. Right. It's uh, so weird. Like, you know, we you, the, the discussion can, can go in so many different ways. Where do you think that... Uh, that 
that holy person came from, you know, as a polytheism, monotheism, you know, the, the evolution of religion. Um, it, I, for me, it's just, it goes hand in hand with human perception, human knowledge, and, uh, almost a lack of science. I just think like, uh, a bunch of people experienced it, uh, and experienced things and they were vocal enough about it throughout history and throughout time. It's the same reason why we have Santa Claus. Yes. I, so that's, that's, that's my rationalization is that enough people talked about it and enough people told stories about it that sometimes it was written in books and sometimes it was shared between families for generation and generation. And that's why there's so many different, uh, viewpoints and experiences and blah, blah, blah. Like it, same thing, Santa Claus, Jesus Christ. That for me, there is no tangible difference. If you uh, want to believe in Christmas, you are allowed to believe in Christmas because it promotes good values. It promotes being good to other people. You know, it's, it's it's all about happiness and and coming together. That's great. Good for you. I mean, uh, uh, I'm gonna say it's the hallmark part. version of religion. In my brain. <laughs> I think uh, uh, the whole aspect of Christmas. Um, I think it did a lot of good, especially like our generation was probably the last one that we got to grow up kind of fully experiencing the aspect. Now kids these days all have their phones and the internet and everything. So right. they're obviously finding out way earlier than we did. Um, knowledge, knowledge has evolved past the point of uh, capability. Right. Um, I know some kids that I knew uh, said that they felt like betrayed by the parents when they told them about that. It's not real. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Obviously, a lot of us just kind of find out Imagine and just play being along. Imagine a nation of people being told that God isn't real. That's how wars are started. <laughs> <laughs> but in that aspect of what you're saying, of the, the tangible difference, I think, you know, the, the aspect of Santa Claus on what its purpose is to do is to teach kids to be, you know, morally, I don't know if I say righteous. Just. But, Right, yeah. they were, they're not asshole brats, you know, and I think that's a good instillment to put on kids. That, hey, you're a good person, you get rewarded in the end. Um, like, you, that's a good reference is what you're saying with, you know, the religion aspect. You're a good person through life, you get rewarded in death. Um, I still kind of feel that there's a reason you feel good. Like I said, you know, do unto others as you want others to do unto you. When you help somebody out, you get that little maybe dopamine hit. And, right. Hey, you were a good person today. And it's not a selfishness where I'm going out to help every person and do charity because I, I like that, that high I feel afterwards. No, you don't get that kind of effect, but you have this like this. Okay. I, you know, I, I did something good today and you, you take a little bit of, of, you know, satisfaction out of that. It's not, this, uh, dude, you could even, you could even just get down to the pleasure sensors of your brain and say that you, you stimulated your prostate. <laughs> You took a big shit today, and you know what? It felt good. Right. It happens. Um, you stuck a fucking finger up there and said, Riddly do. But there's... And now you're feeling really great. <laughs> it's a chemical reaction. It is your brain letting loose of something, and it's saying, Hey, good for you, man. But there's... I think there's something to be said about the fact where everybody has that aspect of when you do something, obviously, unless your wires are crossed or something's wrong, you know, genetically. Right. Uh, but like, I would basically say if you're a sociopath, yeah, as a, as a child, someone who has no, no moral compass. Um, but, uh, the fact of if you do something good and anybody that does this, you help your friend move, you go do something else. Um, 
everybody kind of gets that that hit of of again I don't want to say pleasure but they get that that that's that receptor goes hey you did good bud you know they take a little pride out of it or whatever it might be um I think the fact that practically everybody has that whether you're religious faithful totally. agnostic uh you know whatever I think there's something to be said about that, that that's kind of hardwired into us. Now, I know it comes down to chemical reactions and sensories and everything, but, you know, some people can do morally wrong, you know, steal, lie on a regular basis, kill, kill murder, love it. and get that. But that population is very small compared to the, right. the reverse. I think there's And some- you can almost always uh, trace that back to... Uh something being wrong with the physical development of that person. Right. So I was going to say, when I said dropped on your head too many times as a kid, I, I wasn't saying that as a joke. Almost every serial killer in existence, I would say 95% of them um, can date back to horrible cranial accidents when they were at young ages, uh, anywhere between infancy to up to 10 years old uh, your brain gets fucked up in in a physical enough way you're you're not going to be the same person anymore you're not going to look at things the same way and 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 that that has scientifically been proven well I, i'll touch on i got two two little bits to reference that um yeah, yeah uh that's why cte is getting looked into so much more getting concussions uh football players right. and mma fighters like getting taking these shots to the head uh, even with protection, it doesn't matter. You get rocked a few times, you get one too many concussions. It starts, it starts crossing your wires. You literally ruin your life. Right, like people start, like they start getting anger issues. They start becoming less sensitive. They, their motor functions even start going. Um, I mean, I, I follow UFC. I, I, I like um, MMA, um, and in the, the aspect of the, of the sport and the technicality. And one of the things that you know some of the big fighters are talking about is they can only get rocked so many times before they're they're just not right anymore. And, uh, I had to look it up. I believe it's Chris Benoit. He was a wrestler. Mm. Went crazy, murdered his wife. Yeah. Um, I wasn't gonna, <laughs> gonna jump to that far of a topic. I was gonna. Um, that is absolutely what happens. Um, we we do have a lot of stories, especially of domestic abuse of of people who are football players, or you know, I'm only using the ones that are mainstream. Obviously, other sports and other other incidences happen. Even your jobs, you know, people that work construction or anything get get hit. Um, what they're realizing is like simple fact of motor functions. Um, Cowboy Cerrone, uh, an MMA fighter, he's a veteran guy fights all the time. He fights more in a year than most of the fighters that, you know, the big top, uh, name fighters. Uh, he said he was getting to a point where when he would be standing there brushing his teeth in a mirror, uh, basically his equilibrium wasn't reacting right. I don't, again, I'm not a fucking biologist. Not right. We're, um, we're not scientists. Right. We're, we're, th- theoretically speaking um but he said like he would just be brushing his teeth in a mirror and he would just start falling over because like just the motor function of him brushing his teeth and standing there and seeing his perception of himself in the mirror just that simple motor function of keeping your balance was just going out the window and he said he was he would just start falling over and like he just he realized oh if i don't look in a mirror and like why 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 does that happen? And that's not even getting onto the fact of, like you said, the behavioral aspect where the guy snapped. Um, the one other thing on the behavior I want to talk about was Sam Kinison, a great comedian. Um, he's known because he did a lot of that yelling comedy. Uh, if we're talking like the the Bill Hicks era, 
era of right. comedians. Um, he, his, his persona that people know him as, you know, the fat guy with the hat and the trench coat, always yelling in the microphone. Um, he wasn't like that as a kid. Apparently, I can't remember if it was, he, he was riding a bike or he was in the street or something playing when he was younger, um, around the age of 10, 10 or 12, something like that. Um, he got hit by a car and, right. uh, they said he was a calm kid. He was a smart kid, bright kid, you know, very, very, um, not conservative in the sense, obviously of political, but, but he was, he was very, uh, well-mannered as a kid. And they said this one time he got hit by a car, hospital concussion pulled through. Everything's fine. But they said the moment after that car accident, he was never the same person. He just became this obnoxious, loud, rowdy person. And, you know, people knew him as a comedian. He did all these drugs, did all these things. But they said if you knew him as a kid, he had no signs of being that type of person. He never misbehaved. Right. He never yelled out. He, he was never really vocal. It just Something happened to his brain. Right. And it, and it changed the way he, he works. And, and I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to be a scientist for a second and say that I uh, I knew about this case. And it recently came up when I was watching the uh, the history of curse words with Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. Um when covering uh, the word, I think, shit, um, uh, they brought up the case of Phineas Gage, the guy who got the uh, the iron rod through his, his head. Oh, yeah. Dude gets an iron... Dude, dude is working on train tracks, gets an iron rod imploded through his skull. Uh, they, they take it out, and he survives. Um, he goes from being a calm, collected guy to almost a Tourette's like asshole after mm. the procedure. Um, you know, the, the first thing he said when he, when he regained, uh, consciousness is, is mythically supposed to be shit. And, uh, you know, the scientists on, on even that episode would tell you that it's because parts of the brain were severed from, from how he acted, uh, beforehand to parts that now are missing from his brain and how he acts after the accident. It's just, it's just science. And at that point, you know, it's, it's a giant discussion about what, what different sections of the brain let you think and feel and act. And, and, oh man, that's, that's an even deeper (laughs) rabbit hole, you know, so many different directions as is. But if, if we were to, if we were to, to get back to it and just kind of sum it up, um, you still settle on, on agnosticism and, and with no, with no real belief in any sort of, uh, grand architect. Uh, I think you're arrogant if you say, you know, for sure that there, that you know what's after death, which is, which is why I, I generally have a distaste for religion, people, people being so sure of themselves and willing to kill for it, you know? Yes. <laughs> I uh not a fan of religion. I don't know if I ever brought this up with you, um, but I know I've brought it up on the show before. When when I was a kid before I was thinking about getting confirmed uh in, in the Presbyterian Christianity, um I was told by my, my pastor, a good guy, to um to research to experience, to, to physically go to other churches of other worship and, uh, and see how things are done. And I literally, I read pieces of 
the Quran, Gilgamesh, fucking Siddhartha, like, I picked up books on spiritualism, Hinduism, Buddhism, I physically went to my girlfriend at the time's Church of Latter-day Saints and read the Book of Mormon, uh, full, full aspects of that, did a deep dive, you could say, <laughs> on that, <laughs> and, uh, I went to, uh, uh, what, what, what is another religion? I, I, uh, I already understood Catholicism from the Italian side of my family. Um, I went to, uh, I have, I had a friend in high school who was a born, born again Christian. So I, I got to experience that side. Um, he's still on the show as well. That's Gestalt. Shout out to Gestalt. He's very, he, he's, he loves his faith. Um, and he's a great guy. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not always shitting on, on, you know, religion. Um, what else? Uh, Baptists, uh, the, the crazy ones, the ones who are, are loud and sing, sing songs and shit. I, I went to one of those churches with, uh, where am I? Whose family practices is I, I literally did the round robin of religions. And when I came back to it, and my pastor asked me if I wanted to get confirmed in the church. My only answer was, yeah, why not? Because <laughs> it doesn't make a fucking <laughs> like, difference. Because it, it, it really didn't. I, I knew it would make my, what, like my grandparents happy or my my family happy at the time. They, they wanted to belong to the church at the time. So like, sure, why not? But like really looking all over across the board, I just... I, it was easy for me to see the differences in practice, the differences in belief, and still just seeing uh, good people being good to people they perceive as good. And, uh, and, and it's so fu it's so fucked to say that because I think religion brings a certain class, it, it defies classes. And brings other classes uh, so much closer together in, in so many systems that we do not have that closeness existing in. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I don't I don't necessarily view view that as a detriment. Well, I mean, kind of going on what we're saying, a lot of the people that are in religion or they say, you know, like, oh, my religion's this. Um, you know, as you're referencing Wren's different, uh, uh, different groups, different types, um, not obviously not all religions caused genocides or the crusades, um, you know, Christianity, um, uh, Hebrewism, uh, you know, we have our major steeples that have had their conflicts on a massive scale. But when you get down to like the Mormons, uh, I dated a girl when I was 16, uh, who, who was in that, you know, these people obviously aren't involved in that aspect. They never had a crusade and raided other countries on the scale of, of like Christianity. No, they've actually, <laughs> they, they only, they only have a, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? A, uh, starts with an M. What's it called when someone sacrifices themselves? Um, martyrs? Martyr. 
Uh, Latter Day Saints is a is a is a religion of martyrs. It's it's people who were treated badly for believing a certain way, and only only examples in history show how badly they were treated. So, they try to be the nicest, most reserved of all of the Christian religions. Uh, you know, but but at the end of the day, they're they're just a a religion full of people were mean to us, so we have to be nice to everyone. Right, and you know, I didn't didn't get involved too much with other religions. Um, I have dabbled a little bit, and it's really weird to say this because a lot of things in my life get influenced this way is because of video games. A lot of video games take inspirations sure. from different cultures, religions that might be Final Fantasy, um, a, a big name that a lot of people know. Uh, the Summons, the Espers, whatever you want to call them, depending on which game you're playing. A lot of them are based off of religious figures. Uh, Ifrit, Shiva, you know, there's a lot of things in aspects where obviously it's not based off of the aspect of the, what that name came from in religion, but it's the fact that that's where the title came from. So that's why when I saw those names right. as a kid, now we're talking eight, nine, ten years old, a kid who's still going to, you know, Sunday classes at Roman Catholic Church. Um, I'm like, hey, what's this name? And then my grandmother, who's, who was a Roman Catholic, is like, oh, that's from Buddhism. That's from this. That's from that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute what are these things then? And then that's what caused me to get curious into a lot of things. And that's when I started realizing everybody thinks they're right and everybody else is wrong. And I don't get it. <laughs> you know? I don't get that. No. Um, but that's the thing. Believing you and all the people around you are right gives you a sense of belonging and it gives you a sense of community and it brings people together. It defies a lot of social barriers and social structures and, social infrastructures, class, class, uh, divides get, get crossed with a fucking plank of wood. If you, if you worship the same God, uh, it's, it's an interesting topic. I think, and I, and I was, and I was happy to discuss it here with you, <laughs> uh, to, to really lay it out on the show. I don't want to like keep spiraling, but like just just on a reference, I and not to keep because you're I, on mushrooms. <laughs> I expect you to keep spiraling. Um, I think religion, like I said, he's been I'm microdosing not, for three days, folks. Don't let him fucking fool you. We're we're getting there. <laughs> um, we uh, I, I think religion, like I said, I don't. I'm not okay with religion in the aspect of the church and a lot of what they do. Um, but I think as as I don't want to use the term. But, you know, like the peasants, if you go back, the, the religion, like you're right. saying, had a lot of aspects to help people cross those borders to come together. Um, it did a lot of good for poor communities, but not as much as it absolutely could, because a lot of it goes to the top, just, you know, like with your government and everything. Like else. any other, like, like I said, like any other human chain of development, right. it, it has it, been taken advantage of. I, I, one thing that I saw as a kid like along from you know my understandings of being curious and getting kicked out of sunday class because i asked too many questions stupid shit like that i wasn't even a bad kid i just wanted to know things and they're like nah get the fuck out of here um because it's do as they say you know that that's their philosophy but when i would go to sunday class i'd walk there it was in plains and uh i would see the priest showing up at a cadillac but the nuns were showing up in old like 1980s shit boxes that barely ran and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why is, I mean, I get it, but like everybody's donating money. Why is this guy driving around in a, at the time, you know, $50,000 car and the nuns are driving around in an $800 car? And I was like, okay, yep. there's a balance here. 
and then you realize that chain goes up more and more and more. It's a misogynistic one. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, this is all fucking dumb. I don't like it. And I'm just, you know, I'm going to take the good moral aspects about this and I'm going to move on with my life. And I think that's... Do you consider I, yourself spiritual at all? I think that's the only other aspect that we haven't really hit. Spiritual. Do you believe in a soul? Do you believe in the spiritual access? That's tough. That's a tough question. Um, I've had... There's points it's in my life. It's the last one. It's really the last right. question I have. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. It's just something that I... I There's points in my life where I, where I didn't, and I firmly believe that you, you are... You know, El Captain Muerte, because of your design, your the way your it's my biological identity. Right, the way your chemicals drip, the way your lines are wired, is the reason you are who you are. Just as the reason I am who I am. Um, there have been points, unfortunately, obviously they could just be ramblings from under influence. But from when I've done heavy psychedelics, there were points where I have had experiences where I can never ever explain. As just because psilocybin hit the right in your, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Absolute overwhelming sensations where I'm like, this isn't, we're not talking ecstasy levels of euphoria here. We're talking not necessarily a spirit or a god. I don't know if it's a fucking interdimensional I would say a whole, mechanical it's machine. A rhythm, a rhythm <laughs> with the universe. That's what <laughs> I hate to fucking do this because I'm such a nerd. But like, um, yeah, like, I don't want to use the term life force, but like, there's something that connects everything and whatever that is, whether it's, you know, dark matter, obviously not. I'm going to, I'm going to creep in with Luke's theme from Star Wars as you, as you say this part. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now I need, I need to hear this. I'm just pausing. No, 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 I was, I was gonna, so, so for that last bit where you said there is a force that draws us together, I'm gonna put in the, I won't say that it, you know, draws everything together, but I think it's just something that links everything. Um, right. There's a lot of things that can't be explained at least right now to our understanding. Um, and I don't think it's irresponsible or asinine to sit there and say, well, Hey, um, again, I'm just using dark matter. Cause that's something that we understand that travels through everything. Hey, here's this particle that goes through everything and links everything together or every living thing together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, equal and opposite side of, of reality. There's a give and take, but there's always a balance. Um, mm -hmm. you, like, as I said back in the beginning, you can't Would make... Would you say there's a balance of the force? <sighs> well, the dark side, man. <laughs> you always gotta lean at the dark side a little bit. Even though I'm a morally good person, just red lightsabers are fucking badass. <laughs> <laughs> although, although, <laughs> as insane of a game as it was, the force unleashed where you get the black lightsabers, whew, Hell yeah. sign me up with that. Yeah. The Mandalorian dark saber is, is pretty cool looking. <laughs> Oh, I like the um, fact that it actually so, looks like a katana too. Yeah, going back to the OG uh, designs of the the hilt and the the blade. Right. Um, we we talked a lot about this this shit like I thought we would, and I I wanted to cover spiritualism at the end there because I think that's how the story is going to go. I don't think it's going to be like 
uh, I went from a firm atheist to a believer in like God or like angels and shit. Mm. It might, it might go that way or it might go like holy spiritual. Like there's an afterlife, there's another side, you know, I think the reason I bring up spiritual is because it does have such a heavy hand in what people view as, uh, as religion and, and the other side and shit. I think, um, if we're looking at, uh, what, like, uh, Egyptian faith and, and religion, uh, you know, it's the idea of the soul being recycled and, and, you know, your, your first life is as a human, but your, your third life could be a cat, you know, like your everyone experiences and everyone is the same. And then we are all connected through this great chain of, of life and all this shit, resurrectionism and every other which way. I think the spirit does play a, uh, a part in that. And I will also agree that under heavy psychedelics, I have gone out, looked up at the stars and, and felt like a music inside of me. Yes. Where I'm, absolutely. where I'm just like, my energy is humming the same tune as the universe at that moment. Mm. And I feel uh, a oneness with everything. I think a lot of people who do mushrooms or fucking ayahuasca, you know, they, they posit that type of nature related biologically felt unity. And I think that the soul could exist there. You know, there's, there's an energy that, that leaves your body when you die. Um, and everyone is as individual as their thumbprint, who is to say that, uh, it doesn't go beyond biological life. We're the only, some of the only organisms in, in the fucking world that think for themselves, that, that understand their existence. You know, I... It's hard for me to wholly disqualify the spirit or the soul, you know, from the discussion. Right. Well, because we don't know. I would say I'm agnostic as well. I don't think... I'd, I shit on religion, but I don't shit on believing in something. So I said religion and faith aren't, you know, the same. I mean, they, they can go together. They could absolutely be part of the same coin, but they're not the same thing. That's just, yeah. you know, my perspective. And I think I, that, I feel I feel very similarly. Yeah, like, I, I guess I could say I technically have faith in the aspect that I believe that I think you should want to be a decent person just because I think assholes suck. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't see what's wrong with wanting to be, you know, a good person. Yeah, you're going to have your bad days. You're going to do fucked up things. But that doesn't mean you're a terrible person if you make a mistake. You know, you put out what you want. Some of the nicest people I've ever met are actually felons. <laughs> like, <laughs> shit happens. People fall on our shit, shit happens. Life, life is a crazy fucking thing. I, I think we've talked enough. Oh, yeah. I think we can get into the story now. And I did, I did mention a line in the title. This is one of those no sleep stories where to sell it to you, the titles like three fucking sentences, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know why they do that on no sleep, probably to make it feel more like this actually happened. 
But right. uh, it just what it really does is it makes it harder to give this story a shout out because the sentence is three fucking, you know, pages long. So uh, the the story we're reading today, and we could talk about the title for for a moment based on what we just talked about over the last you know hour. Um, I was an air traffic controller at Atlantic Municipal Airport, Iowa, for 27 years. My first year at the job, I unwillingly went from a firm atheist to a believer. So this person is saying, on the job, they experienced something against their will that gave their existence an entire fucking paradigm shift. It'd have to be a hell of an experience. Hell of an experience, right? Almost like like aliens. Hell of an experience. Which <laughs> I is why I talk which is why we talk about these things. Hell of a fucking experience. Oh man. I uh I don't know. Like I guess I, I've I've experienced some weird things, but uh nothing to ever indefinitely just make it be like, Yep, yeah, done deal. Uh would I, you like to though? If someone explain, if someone had the ability to explain the entire universe and its purpose to you, would you actually want that answer? Because part of me thinks that I, 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 I could live in ignorance. <laughs> I could die in ignorance. I'm okay with that. I mean, I could, but my this is gonna sound really fucking lame. But uh, <laughs> I would want to know just because of the curiosity factor. But I also think it would be on the scale that we wouldn't be able to comprehend it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's it's opening up the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones, and it just melts your fucking face. Right. Like, it's just going to be one of those things where it's just like, hey, here's all the information on what reality actually is, and then when it gets done, your brain's just like, nah, dude. <laughs> God, uh, God comes down from whatever mountain beyond the clouds dressed in white and, and promptly gives you a slap, slap across the <laughs> face and says, get it. It's a, uh, no, you it, can't, you can't handle it. Yeah. I think it's something that we're just, we can't comprehend. Um, uh, I don't know. That's just my logic. on it. I don't think that's something where, like I said, they'll be able to well, tell you, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah. I asked you here for your logic and your opinion. If I wanted some wetback <laughs> to come on here and spout about their beliefs, I don't think this would be nearly as fun. So uh, we, we're we going to hop into a story here uh, from, from Reddit No Sleep. I'm just going to read the, the title one more time. Uh, I was an air traffic controller at Atlantic Municipal Airport, Iowa, for 27 years, which is a long time. Yeah. Out of job. You know, good for you. My first year, okay, I unwillingly went from a firm atheist to a believer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I think about that too much. I think the title says a lot. So it's hard for me to it's hard for me to just wrap my head around one one idea. On on the other side of it, I say, man, it sounds like a boring ass fucking job to do for twenty seven years. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm just really confused as to why it's like three sentences long. Like you said, I no. <laughs> I, I, All right, I went so, from a firm uh, atheist to a believer at my job as an air traffic controller. You know, or you know what I mean. Why is it twenty seven well, years? Well, it's I. 
I do I do understand the cheeky side of, of this title. It's basically saying if you spend all your days like looking up at the sky, you might see something that you're you're not ready to, to see, you know, like that's the cheekier side, which, which I'm excited for, but I don't know if it's going to go in that direction. Uh, but like, not, not to counter here, but I mean, it literally says my first year at the job is when that experience happened. So 26 years after he did nothing, but within his first year at the job, maybe he did. Let's, mm. let's get in. <laughs> let's get in. <laughs> We're talking so much shit. We don't even know. Are you typing? You I... are. I got really confused because I literally just got done typing like two seconds before. <laughs> are you typing? You are? Okay. Okay. And, and your friends on the internet will read this, huh? All right. But warn them that these are just old man's memories. <laughs> okay. So back to the beginning. So I graduated from Fordham in 1974, and I still had no idea what to do. Times were different then. We were able to find jobs easily. Jesus, I remember companies practically begging us to work for them. <laughs> but I didn't want to do some shitty desk job for the rest of my life. <laughs> I wanted to sit at a shitty airport for 27 years. So I waited. Then one day, while being fascinated with the complexity of air traffic systems, that's all it took. I decided to become an air traffic controller. And by the time I turned 27, I had passed all of the necessary tests and have accumulated enough experience to be hired and work without supervision. Hashtag boss. Hashtag FA. <laughs> thing with air traffic controllers is that you don't really get to choose where you're gonna work in the beginning. Sure, we all want to work at JFK or Hartsfield-Jackson, but those jobs just weren't available to us rookies. So I had to take a job in bumfuck little town in Iowa called Atlantic. It was literally a single landing strip in a damn cornfield, but I had to pay my dues. And money was alright. Now, small airports like these usually only work 8 to 5, but this particular strip was in such a geographical location that there were a lot of flights going above us at any time, so we needed to stay open until 4 a.m. in case of emergency landing. By staying open, I mean I had to sit in the control tower, and there was one security guy sleeping in the airport's only terminal. It wasn't that bad. Really. I'd bring my books and crossword puzzles and I'd spend hours on the phone with your aunt. You know how they say that the air traffic controller is the most stressful job in the world? Well, I was bored 99% of the time, and that 1% was guiding small Cessnas in the Cornfield Airport. So, why am I telling you all of this? Well, about three months into my job, something started happening. Something that even today I can't even really... I'll save you the talk about the supernatural, but what happened at that airport just ain't right. 
February 20th, 1979. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was your regular winter night in Iowa, winds and freezing cold, but no snow. I was supposed to work until close, although we didn't have any flights scheduled. Around 1 a.m., I received radio message from a small Cessna about 30 miles from the airport. They were having a really bad snowstorm up in Omaha and needed to land here in Atlantic. I guess being open late was justified after all. I got my binoculars out, verified the visibility, and started guiding the aircraft. Though it was really windy out there, they managed to touch down. I looked through the binoculars to verify the landing went okay. And that's when I saw her for the first time. Just walking down the runway, as if it were a normal street, was this woman. Shit, I don't know. Now, there were about a hundred things wrong with this situation. First, the woman was wearing some sort of summer dress or a nightgown, and she was barefoot, believe it or not. Normal person would be cold dressed like that during the summer, let alone our winter. And then you had to wonder what in the world was this person doing walking down the active runway, and how the hell did she get there to begin with? Flight 84, this is Alex from Air Traffic Control. You happen to see a woman walking down the runway towards you? I asked the pilot who had just landed. Huh? Let me check. The pilot answered. Still watching through binoculars, I saw him open the door of the plane, then get out. He started walking towards the woman. Not gonna lie, at, the, at that point, I was having a lot of fun. Not much happened in the Atlantic, Iowa, and this uh, was certainly entertaining. I couldn't wait to hear the story. My bet was that she got in a car accident near the airport. Well, the pilot walked up to her, and I can make it that he was saying something I saw through the binoculars. Her lean to his ear and almost whisper something to him. He just stood there for a good ten seconds with neither of them moving. She was still leaned close to his ear, and then he snapped out of it, I guess. He turned around and literally sprinted to the plane and when I saw the propellers starting to rotate I jumped on the radio flight 84 what are you doing no answer flight 84 I repeat what is happening nothing and then the plane started moving speeding up flight 84 you do not have permission to take off I repeat you are not clear to take off but there was no answer that damn Cessna kept speeding up and then took off and nothing I could do really besides make sure that no other planes were above it at the time. And I tried one more time. Flight 84, this is air traffic control. What the hell is happening? And then my radio started to make white noise. None, none knew was all I could hear coming from the radio. Flight 84, please repeat, you're breaking up. What a night, I thought radio started transmitting again. Un, un, run, run, run. Flight 84, did you say run? Please repeat yourself. But nothing else came from out of that damn radio. The plane was long gone. I sank into my chair trying to decipher what in the fuck just happened. Pardon my French, run. From what? What the hell? And then it dawned on me. The woman. I grabbed the binoculars and she was looking 
straight at me. Now, good 200 yards away at night, she was somehow looking straight at me, eyes open so wide, it's hard to explain what she looked like. I, I guess you know how when someone is super surprised, their eyes widen, like when you startle someone and their eyes just get so wide, like some sort of defense mechanism, I suppose. That's how she was looking at me, straight at me. What in the world? I mumbled. At that moment, she started running towards my tower, like not jogging, but really running, like still looking straight at me. I swear to God, goosebumps ran all over me like 10,000 cold ants. You know, I'm, I'm not one to get scared. Shit, I spent six years in but something about this situation, something about that pilot telling me to run and this woman running towards me, something seemed so wrong. Joe, are you there? Joe. I blurted into the radio. Joe was our night security guard and he didn't answer. Shit. I looked through the window just in time to see the woman run into my tower and I heard the door downstairs slam open. I honestly didn't know what to do. This wasn't a rational situation, you know. If it were some sort of terrorist or whatever, I I know what needs to be done. But this was... Was this situation malicious? It was certainly strange. And that exact weirdness, that not knowing what is happening is what made me run into the bathroom and lock the doors. And as I turned the lock, I heard the control room door open. You know how in your generation's you just hear quiet footsteps of some invader slowly looking for you, and then the shadow you know, shows up under the door. Well, this was the opposite. As soon as those doors opened, chaos began. I tried peeking through the keyhole, but all I was able to see is a fast shadow running across the room, accompanied by a tremendous noise. I swear I was so shocked that at one point I nearly opened the door just to see what was causing all of it then a, a hard slam into the bathroom door had me nearly fall on the floor and then nothing. Silence. I could lie and pretend I was brave enough to get out of that bathroom soon after, but I wasn't. I'll admit it, I stayed in there the whole night waiting for the morning shift. Around 7.45 a.m., I hear a familiar voice say, What in the fuck? It was Clark! morning shift controller. I opened the door to see a scene so twisted that even to this day I remember every detail. The control room is nearly totaled, radios ripped out, papers and manuscripts everywhere, radar screens smashed to pieces. When the police came, I gave the full report. It took 11 days to repair all the equipment and get the room fully functional. The security guard on duty that night was fired. They even started considering installing security cameras. I know, I know, to, today that seems like a normal thing to you, but it, it wasn't back in the day. Police had no idea what to make of it. They just urged us to report anything suspicious. I used the 11-day break to sort myself out. By the end of that forced vacation, I was convinced that all of this was caused by some deranged woman, possibly a mental patient. Whatever made me sleep at night, right? I came back to work on March 4th. I was a little 
worried about working night shifts again, but I was convinced that whoever did this was far gone by now. And then the next month or so went very uneventfully, just how I like it. Iowa was scheduled to get hit with a big snowstorm that day. Most of the flights were grounded, but some were still in the air, and I had to work. I hated it, because if we did get hit with heavy snow, I'd probably end up being stranded. I wish that was the worst thing that happened. Around 11 p.m. that night, when it was already snowing big time, I received radio message from a small private jet that was some 50 miles away. They were getting caught in heavy winds, and the pilots wanted to land on our airport immediately. Now, jets like that would traditionally be too big to land at our strip, but the emergency like this called for overriding of guidelines. Flight 676, you're cleared to land, but we have to remain in contact at all times. The strip's pretty short. Do you acknowledge? Sure thing. Let's just put this puppy down, shall we? Pirate said. I think I said pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Are <laughs> the pilot said. It was snowing heavily by that point. I'm going to take a drink for all the pirate. Uh, I said pirates again. Mm. Ah, for all the alcoholic pilots out there. Here. It was snowing heavily by that point, and thankfully, we had a cleanup crew Dyson clean the runway before they headed home, so it was still in decent condition. Again, back then we were way more relaxed about the rules. I took a look at the strip to make sure everything was clear. And out of nowhere, just when I forgot about her, she appeared. She was just slowly strolling down the strip about a hundred yards away from the tower, her bare feet slowly moving across the freezing asphalt. And the worst part about it is she was looking straight at me again. Again with those crazy fucking eyes. This is when I realized what the most disturbing thing about her was. She wasn't blinking. I was looking at her for a good two minutes, winds and snow blasting in her face, and she wasn't blinking. It was almost as if she didn't want to lose a fucking millisecond of looking straight at me. Oh, God. Flight 676, maintain, I repeat, maintain the altitude until further communication. Traffic control, this is 676. That is a negative. We cannot maintain with headwinds like this. We have to land. Are we clear? We are six minutes away. I couldn't risk the lives of people up in that plane. I had to land them despite this, whatever this was, walking down the runway. Clear to land, 676. I put down the radio and looked through the window, and she was now some ten yards away, coming closer to the tower. Though I shouldn't under any circumstance leave the control room, I ran down the first floor and locked the outside door. I knew she was close, and I knew she was coming, and when I got back to the room, I heard the radio. Control tower, we are approaching the runway. Please advise. Rotate three degrees right. Acknowledge. Copy that. We see the lights now. See you soon. I looked up through the window and could see the plane in the distance, and there was no trace of the woman on the runway. I sighed, a breath of relief. I was going to deal with this issue after the jet had landed safely. 
and at that moment a loud noise broke through the tower. I don't want to believe it, but I was afraid that the first floor door had slammed open. How the hell I locked it. I know I did, and then goosebumps overcame me. Almost as if my body could feel something that I couldn't. And my first instinct was to lock myself in the bathroom again, but I couldn't. I couldn't leave the radio. Footsteps on the metal stairs were getting louder. She, I assumed it was her, wasn't running, at least, but the violent sound of footsteps made me think she was, what, slamming her feet into the ground with every step she made? 676, this is traffic control. I have visual confirmation. Clear to land. I heard the control room doors open. And this is when I realized just how afraid I was. You know, I'm almost 70 now, and am not embarrassed to admit how scared I was at that moment. Matter of fact, I was so scared that I couldn't even turn around, if you believe that. I just couldn't face what was behind me. This was very unusual, because I was always composed and rational. Always, whether it was being stuck in a ditch in Vietnamese jungle or being nearly hit by an 18-wheeler on the highway, always calm. And there I was, staring straight at my radio, unable to turn my head and face it. <laughs> Charles, would you turn around? <laughs> uh, that'd be a hard no. <laughs> I'd almost have to. If I'm not hiding already, I'm definitely looking straight at it. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I have to admit my character faults. My character faults are, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's silly. It's a good way to die. <laughs> I'm sure your friends on the internet will laugh at how I reacted, but I guarantee most of you would behave the same. Your body just doesn't behave normally when it's terrified. Traffic control, 30 seconds out, here we go. Came from the radio. And I slowly pressed the talk button on my radio, my teeth literally chattering. All, all clear. I muttered, and then I felt a cold breath on my neck. She was behind me, breathing slowly into my neck. I could feel the lips move up to my ear, you know, when you were a kid and someone was messing behind your back, making faces or bunny ears, you could somehow feel it. I could feel the mouth an inch from my ear, though I couldn't even see her with the corner of my eye. I was still nearly paralyzed, I admit I used to, uh, I used to be ashamed of the inability to act in this surreal situation, but now when I look at it, no one can tell me they'd react any differently, it just wasn't earthly of a situation, you know? whisper crawled into my ear. You'd normally think that hearing a voice would somehow diffuse the situation, or at least brush away any thoughts of supernatural, but the voice was so different than anything I'd ever heard, and I'm not a writer, I can't explain it, it was cold, inhuman even, but what scared me the most was the anger I felt in it, and though she whispered, I could feel the rage. And I don't even know how to put it into words. Her voice lacked something that every other voice had. I, I don't know. 
Is this me? Yeah, that's you. Touchdown! Traffic control 676 is on the ground. Hope you have some hot chocolate ready. The woman behind me snapped back and I heard what I assumed was running and I forced myself to turn around just in time to her running out barefoot. 676. Welcome. I made myself stay... I, I made myself say it into the radio. Though my legs were foreign to the rest of my body, I propped myself up and looked through the window, and I was expecting to see the woman running out, but she was nowhere to be seen. And I thought that she was still in the building. This time I managed to get the security guy on the radio, and he showed up a few minutes later, and he did a full walkthrough of the tower, but there was no trace of the woman. <laughs> I started feeling relieved only when the police showed up. They thoroughly searched the building with no success. They did not, uh, they did not notice, they, they did notice the trace of footsteps coming from the neighboring cornfield to the tower, but there were no prints going back. Imagine my situation at the time. Just take a second to think about it. You are the only one to ever see this woman. I'll call her a woman. I wouldn't be surprised if the police started thinking that I was hitting the bottle during work. I decided to keep it to myself until I could prove that there was this person disrupting or haunting the airport. I couldn't really quit, and honestly, would you? Yeah, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deal with that type of stress <laughs> repeatedly. That, that's <laughs> no that's a little much. You know what I mean, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> it's like, hey, you have a heavy responsibility. You have to direct planes in. We get crazy winters. It's a small landing strip. You got a lot of stress. Oh, and there's this crazy bitch that smashes her way into the tower once every here's other a, week. Here's and, a uh, here's a ghost. <laughs> I'm imagining it's a ghosty ghost that haunts that haunts you and wants you to get killed down on the airstrip. Fuck all that. I mean, yes, these were two absolutely surreal experiences, and I did feel some sort of intangible hazard, but I didn't think my life was ever in danger. For real, you hid in a bathroom, homie. Yeah, and she trashed the shit she out of the control room. She trashed the shit out of that control room. And you're saying that you feel her anger? Like, no thanks, man. There's like a heat there that I don't want to witness. Yeah. I decided to stick with it. Winter was almost over anyway. Spring brought more horror than winter ever could. Great. <laughs> what the, the fuck? The city council finally listened to me and decided to install a security camera. And due to municipal bureaucracy and limited funds or so, they say they only mounted one camera that could stream video to the control room. Stream, not record. Let that sink in. Who installs cameras that only stream? Town of Atlantic does that too. Anyways, I had to pick my battles, so I had them install the camera in front of the tower door. That way I could always see who's outside. A good month has passed since the last encounter, and to be honest, the horror started to dull away. It was still fresh in my mind, yes, but the lack of new developments had me thinking it all ended as quickly as it started. In my mind, she was probably some lunatic who decided to move on. And then, on May 3rd, I received a memo letting me know I needed to stay late that day since some local politician's plane was due to land around 10pm. Naturally, I guess my mind went straight to thinking about this crazy girl, you know, this is the first late night for me since the last encounter. 
At 9.45 p.m. came around and there was no sign of the plane. I didn't care, though. My eyes were glued to the binoculars, searching for any movement on the strip. And even a minimal commotion, my heart would race. And then... Jesus, it scares me to this day. And then, for some reason, I decided to look down at the monitor that the camera was streaming on. And... My world turned upside down. I expected her, I really did. You can expect something unnatural, but you're never really ready for it. You always hoped that it was just your imagination or something. But no, there she stood, right in front of the camera, in her summer white dress. She looked different, though. She was holding her arms as if she were freezing, and she was shaking, and I could hear her crying through the shitty speakers they gave me. This wasn't... The entity I remembered terrorizing me, and then she looked up at the camera, and through the picture, even though it was grainy and black and white, I could see tears in her eyes. Please, it's freezing out here. She cried at the camera. Audio was obviously out of sync as she opened her mouth, and the voice would come through my speakers much later. Please. I'm not sure what you'd do in that situation, but I immediately saw an opportunity. If I can bring her in and call the security guard, I'd finally have proof that I wasn't making this all up. Jerry, get the control tower right now, please. I said as I stood up. And I walked down, I know I shouldn't have left an active control tower, but this was my chance. I propped the door open, adrenaline fucking bursting through my pores. Are, are you okay? I mumbled with my voice cracking like a schoolgirl's shit. I was scared, man, you know? And she was still just sobbing, her hair covering her face. I was shaking, not sure whether from cold or fear or both, but I needed to get her to come in. And I stepped out. And she took a step toward me, still crying. Ma'am, are you alright? This time I spoke more firmly. And she moved the hair off of her face and looked me straight in the eyes. God damn, I can't explain it, but her eyes. Although still filled with tears, they just weren't the same as on the camera. They widened, and I swear to you, she wasn't blinking. Ma'am, please step back. I said as she moved another step closer, now about a foot away from me. Ma'am, please step back. Oh, she... she <laughs> back. <laughs> no, that's okay. Ma'am, please step back. She repeated my words, nearly freezing blood on my veins. My legs gave in and I almost fell to the ground. Her voice, her voice wasn't the same as the one that spoke into the camera. This voice was genderless. Is that a word? Her voice didn't belong to a woman or a man. I saw... Uh, fucking fine. I knew I knew my voice was a little feminine, but you don't have to be so offensive. <laughs> I swear to you, but that wasn't what petrified me. Fuck. See these goosebumps? Now you know I'm telling the truth, right? Her fucking voice came out with delay. Just like on the camera. Her lips moved, but the words came out a few seconds later. What the fuck? I mumbled as I leaned against the door, not believing what I was seeing. What the fuck? 
she mumbled back at me, that goddamn voice coming out after her mouth had closed. Leave me alone. Get the fuck away from me. I screamed at her, and I mean screamed. I never heard myself this loud before. Accumulation of fear and anger, I suppose. She took a violent step towards me, and her face got so close to mine, I think her nose touched me. She opened her mouth wide as if she were screaming, but it was silent. And fucking then, seconds after she closed her mouth, a scream came out of her throat. It was fucking unearthly and so piercing that I was completely shell-shocked and unable to move. I was frozen still in the spot, and she, without moving her face from mine, she raised her right arm and pointed at the cornfield. Her eyes were so wide that they didn't look human anymore. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh. I'm thinking of that fucking Aah! fucking scream and what the way the name? eyes go wide. Yeah. Uh, you talking about Donald Sutherland? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard not to imagine that. It's hard not to imagine, like, the creepy, wide-eyed stare of, of the, the man-girl at the end of, like, Sleepaway Camp. Mm. You know, it's it's hard not to imagine that cold, eye-widening stare. You know, it's, it's crazy. Crazy. This story's a lot creepier than I thought we were going to get into. <laughs> <laughs> this story, This ain't about God. This is about Spooky Bitch 101. Spooky Ghost. Her eyes were so wide they didn't look human anymore. She just stood there like that for a good 30 seconds or eternity in my time, not blinking. I couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't. I gathered all the bravery I ever had and I pushed her. Unlike invisible, invincible creatures in today's books and movies, she fell as any normal human would. She fell on her back, but as soon as she hit the ground, she got up unnaturally fast. I mean, no human I've seen got up with such speed. At that moment, I was certain that this was the end of me, but as soon as, as, soon as she stood back up, she turned around and ran towards the field. I didn't want to stop her. I'm not sure I even could. I stood there for some time, trying to figure out what reality I lived in, and then finally gathered myself enough to climb back to the control room, and the security guard showed up a good 35 minutes later, giving me some bullshit excuse for taking so long. The politician's plane landed late as well, and I chose not to tell anyone about the encounter, as I was running the risk of sounding insane at this point. I didn't know what to do, but I did know that she wasn't going to leave me alone, and I spent the next six nights at the airport glued to my binoculars, scouting the ground for any movement. I talked to the guard into doing a walkthrough of the strip every couple hours, and just on the off chance that she'd be caught. Naturally, I didn't tell him what to look for, because I'm an asshole and I want to see this guy get fucking spooked. <laughs> I didn't want to sound crazy when he found nothing. Or when he found a crazy bitch. Oh, it was night seven since the encounter, and I was spending my hours staring down the binoculars, and I saw the guard walk around 8.45 p.m. He saw me in the tower, laughed, waved, give me a thumbs up. This wasn't going to work. She wasn't about to get caught. And when I showed up for the next day shift, everyone was giggling in the break room. What's going on here? I asked, just wanting to join the fun. Oh, you know... Jerry, the guard said, bursting in laughter with the others. Huh? I really don't know. What's the joke? I asked again, you know. 
Well, I was just telling the guys about your boring nights. He said, chuckling and air quoting the boring. What do you mean? Oh, come on, man. It's only guys in here. It's all right, he responded. No, I really don't get what you mean. I said, getting irritated. Well, uh, I did see you guys last night, so I was just telling the boys how good you have it up here in the control room. What do you mean, you guys? Who'd you see? Oh, come on now, man. I saw you and your lady friend up there last night when I did the walkthrough. Remember me waving at you? Like reversing a fucking VHS, memories from last night started pouring through my head. Nothing happened, though. Nothing that I could remember. I was just looking at the airfield the whole night. Jerry even saw me and waved, and nothing was out of the ordinary, and... His wave. His laugh. The thumbs up. Yeah. I saw your lady friend standing behind you when I waved. I'm sorry. I, d I didn't know it was a secret. I don't know how my legs worked, but I used them to run out of the break room, escorted by laughter from my co-workers. First thought, at least I wasn't going insane. Someone else saw her, you know? Second thought, what in the god's name she was behind me? For how long and how in the hell didn't I hear her? I honestly had no idea what to do at this point. The only hope for my well-being was that she'd get caught by someone other than me. Otherwise, everything I said to anyone would make me sound insane. Two weeks passed by with no further sighting of her, and then sometime in early June, mind you, I was still scanning the airstrip every night, I saw her at the edge of the field. She just stood there. I must have watched her for two hours, and she didn't move a finger. She just stood, looking straight at me a hundred yards away in the control tower. After the initial shock, and again, every time I saw her was a shock to me, I did the only logical thing and I picked up the radio. I called Jerry and asked him to do a walkthrough. As soon as the door of the airport barn opened, she slowly walked back into the cornfield, never taking her eyes off me. And by the time Jerry walked by where she stood, she was long gone. This happened every night for the next eight days. She'd stand at the edge of the field, staring at me and not blinking, and every time Jerry would come out, she'd slowly disappear into the field. One night, I called up Jerry in the control room for a sip of whiskey, hoping she'd come out and I'd show her to him. It's always so it's so convenient in movies, though, isn't it? The entity whose existence you're trying to prove never appears before witnesses came, right? Jerry came up, and we shared a nice bottle of Jack Daniels over some small talk. I was discreetly keeping an eye on the cornfield, and at the same time she always appears, I noticed movement in the field. And there she was. She came out of the field and froze in the same spot as she always does, and I had to be careful. I was so excited, man. I was overrun with emotion. She was finally about to get caught, but I had to contain myself so I could look somewhat sane when telling Jerry what was happening. Hey, Jerry, do you see what I see? I asked as I handed him the binoculars. Down by the cornfield. Him staring down the strip for the longest five seconds of my life. What in the world is that girl doing there? Man, the sense of fucking relief I felt. Alright, I have something to tell you. 
I spoke calmly. It only took about five minutes to give him the gist of what was happening. All the stalking, controlling, destruction, incident on camera. Jesus, man, why didn't you tell me something earlier? He asked, looking worried. Would you believe me if I did? I asked with hope, and he just shook his head. All right, Jerry said as he stood up. You call the police, and I'm going down there to speak with her. I'll hold her until they come. I wanted to tell him to be careful, and I wanted to even stop him, but more than anything, really, I wanted it all to end. I dialed 911 while I watched Jerry walk down the strip towards this thing by the field, and she wasn't moving. Matter of fact, she was still looking straight at me. It was late, and Atlantic is such a small, uneventful town that cops said it would take a good 15 minutes to get to the airport. I had binoculars pointed at her as Jerry approached. I saw that he started to talk to her. She was still looking straight into my eyes all the way from there, and then, without taking her eyes off me, she leaned towards his ear and whispered something. And I don't know what. I'm not a lip reader. He took a step back, then another. He turned around and looked at me and I've never seen such a terrified look on another human. This man was beyond himself, his face so petrified he didn't even resemble the Jerry I knew. He just... he ran into the field. Jesus. Is all I could say. And she was still looking at me, only she had this... what do you call it, misbehaving smile on her face. I had it. That pilot and Jerry both ran away from her after she whispered something to him, and I, why was I still here? What was happening to me? I fucking had it. I ran down the stairs and out of the tower she was standing in her spot. As I ran to her, I could still see that she had that fucking smile on her pale face. No more talking. This wasn't a movie, and I wasn't about to let her run again. I tackled her. <laughs> It sounds funny, I know, but I ran into that bitch and I hit her hard. We both hit the pavement, and as soon as I got on top of her, I noticed that she still had that smile, even though there was a big cut on her forehead. She wasn't talking, she wasn't resisting, she was just laying there, smiling at me and bleeding. I heard the car pull up by the strip, and you can imagine how thankful I was when I saw it was the police. Over here, here. I screamed as I held her down, though she wasn't really trying to escape. As the cops ran towards us, I looked at her one last time. Why? Why? I asked, so frustrated, so angry, and she just smiled even wider. See you later, alligator. She whispered, second before the police pulled me off of her, her words came out with delay again. That wasn't the last shock of the night. Of the, that wasn't the last shock of the night. Help me, officer! This ma this man! This man was trying to kill me! The girl cried as the officer helped her up. He tried to murder me! <laughs> this bitch. Rip. I was speechless. This woman I thought she was, what, a, a demon, was now acting human. I was sure she was finally caught, but as the cops turned to me, I realized I was alone on this strip, nearly choking a defenseless woman, and Jerry was nowhere to be found. Take me. 
I said as the officer stepped towards me. The sense of helplessness was the most overwhelming feeling I've ever experienced. But please, don't let her get away. I spent the night in jail, certain that I was going to be found guilty for everything with the only witnesses long gone to who knows where. When my buddies from the airport came to bail me out in the morning, I was so tired. I didn't feel like explaining anything. I just, I told them that... If Jerry were here, he'd tell you. What? Jerry's at the airport right now, my buddy said. I was in disbelief, but I didn't want to waste a second. Twenty minutes later, I was standing in front of Jerry. Jerry, man, why didn't you tell anyone? I asked, nearly crying from all the emotions. Tell what? Jerry answered as he laughed and looked around the break room that was now full of co-workers. Jerry, I went to jail because of her, man. You gotta tell them. Look, man, why don't you get some rest and we can talk about this later, alright? Jerry said in a condescending fucking voice, patting my shoulder. I lost it. I just started crying. I was the most helpless man in the world. There was nobody that could help me, and this hurt more than not understanding why Ch Jerry chose to act as if nothing happened last night. I walked out of that airport, never to come back. But three days later, I received a letter in the mail giving me my formal, you have been terminated notice. Followed by a call from the police department saying that no charges will be filed as the woman is nowhere to be found. I moved to New York to live with your aunt after that. I never did see the woman again, and to be honest, to this day, I'm not sure what I dealt with. If I had to put my hand on the Bible, I'd say it wasn't a human who stalked me those nights in Iowa. And at this point, my aunt walked into the room. Is he talking about that woman in Atlantic again? She said, trying to look irritated. I was just telling the boy about what happened to me worth knowing what's out there. Oh, stop it, Alex. Poor guys doesn't need to listen to your rambling. Rambling? Rambling? How about that? Since I left, that damn airport has had 41 air traffic controllers quit. How about that? <laughs> How about that? <laughs> well, I think that. it's time to go. We overstayed as it is, my aunt said, trying to get out of the awkward situation. I'll walk oh. you up. <laughs> I'll walk you out, yeah. When, when we go outside... My house, my uncle sat in the car, but I had to ask my aunt. Was that all? I started, but she interrupted. Oh, goodness, no. We don't like to talk about it, but your uncle started his depression medication around that time, and it affected him in a strange way. It was back when medications weren't well-researched. That's why he was let go and unable to work at airports again. And the woman? Well, yes, there was a girl there. Luckily, the cops got him off her before he did any damage, but he's been under control ever since. No incidents, knock on wood. And she opened the car door. I whispered one last thing. And all those controllers who quit, is that true? My aunt's smile went from genuine one to one that was very obviously forced. We better get on the road now before the night falls. Honey, call us sometimes, you know? Our number, you know. See you later, alligator. Oh! <laughs> oh, that ending makes me think a little. So, like, she just wanted the man? <laughs> Let me tell you, honey, it's an easier way to get this dick. <laughs> what?!
Oh my god, dude. Like, is that all it was? Like, let me tell you, let me tell you, I'm a a fitness specialist. What? (laughs) Fitness dick in your mouth. (laughs) Uh, Oh shit. I don't know, man. Uh, are they, are they saying that, um, well, m- well, no, I don't think there's any mali- anything malicious behind this see you later alligator. I think, I think whatever that entity in the field was, it knew his future and it just said something wry to be funny. Yeah, I don't but- think, I don't think the woman in the field is the ant. But that won't. That doesn't make any sense because she's not saying that to him. She's saying that to the to the, the kid, right? To the kid who's who's receiving the story. Yeah, I just think it's an interesting choice of words. Why Why would the aunt say something similar to to what the uncle was last told by the woman on his last experience? I I think there's bitch. a reason the author did that. Well, I mean, obviously, yeah, they use the line, but they're, are they trying to be convoluted in the aspect of kind of like what you're saying, or is he just being blunt and saying that that's actually her and tough, tough to say. I, I liked reading it. I thought it was a good, I thought it was a good story. I've, I have had that story the entire four years that I've done this show. I just haven't had someone to read it with till now. That was pretty good. I mean... Earlier in the story, he says he'd be on the phone with his aunt. Like, like the, the the kids. I don't want to call him the kid, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Their aunt. He's like, I spent hours on the phone with your aunt. Yeah. Um. So it's not like she wasn't ever mentioned. Right. Hmm. I think, I, I think they're... There are equal truths to it, and I think I can only blame it on the uh, the author not explaining it well enough. Well, I mean, obviously, unless they're just trying to be that way, and they're like, "Oh well." I I don't it. I don't think I mean the 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 fish the facetious devil's advocate answer is that uh, this this guy is so fucked that he never escaped the woman, and she she still now has has control over him and he's only he's only reaching out in small ways with, with little ways to act to say let me tell you a story please god help me <laughs> 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 which i don't think is the is the case right it's um yeah it seems like he's trying to leave it like open for interpretation i used to it maybe just a reference because him relaying the story and then her obviously using I the mean, same line I mean, it's a little funny if you think about it. She she says something to him on the last night she sees him knowing he's going to quit before she can see him again. She says something that his eventual wife says probably all the time. It's it's I feel like it's it's this entity just wryly mocking his his life. I was kind of expecting him to get to the cornfield because that's what she told him to do the first time she. Yeah, when him. Jerry came back, I said, "Ah, it's a missed opportunity for some creepy shit." It's just like before even that, like when when she actually came up to the tower and caught him, and she said, "Come down to the field." 
right. then never went to the fucking field. You never find out what happens in the field. Well, apparently Jerry, I mean, Jerry found out what happened in the field and apparently it's nothing, <laughs> nothing big. Cause he didn't remember it. <laughs> well, well, that's what I mean. Something happened. It just probably wiped his fucking memory. Cause he doesn't even remember what happened. Like at all. It's so interesting. She, she whispers, you know, come outside, come to the field. It's so cold out here to this guy. And then when she gets him, she doesn't do anything about it. But to anyone else, she says, like, run or, you know, whatever. She whispers to them and they end up they end up going into fucking reptile brain and taking off the, the fastest way they can in an opposite direction of her. Uh, it's it's tough. It's tough, like, what What would you need to be told at that specific place and time? You know, it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking rip out your, your liver and eat it in front of you? That would get me to turn around and look at the air traffic controller who told me to go out there by myself, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you don't get back in your plane, I'm gonna rip your fucking head off. I don't know. <laughs> yes. It's hard to say. She could have also said that, you know... Uh, there is nothing behind the veil of reality. We all exist in a void. Ah! Run off, into, <laughs> run off into the field, you know, only to get shit faced and not remember it the next morning. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I think I think the story is funnier <laughs> than than we initially thought we were gonna get into. It's uh, not where I expected it to go. Absolutely not. When he says, you know, first off, (laughs) the story misguided us completely. Talking about religion and God and shit. And this guy's just like, "Mm, some creepy bitch in a field said some stuff. (laughs) Like, what do you believe in? What are you a believer of? The supernatural? Okay, well, that's vague. (laughs) It's uh. I'm still trying to, like, wrap my hand around, like, what they were trying to go with this. <laughs> it's not meant to be uh, where they were going. This is a Twilight Zone snapshot experience uh, of an of an old man had a spooky, spooky story. Mm. I mean, you it's... Know, it's... It's very easy to just kind of put that in that section of your brain where it's just it's just old old school twilight zone spooky hijinks. I mean, it was definitely good. I liked it. I thank thank you for reading like eight lines and letting me read 20 pages <laughs> at you. I thought you were going to have a lot more material. Nah, I'm sorry. Right. I I, like I, said, I I don't I, know. I, I feel like I have to ask every time you're on. Do you like reading? Should I make you read more, or do you not give a shit? <laughs> um, it's hit or miss. Like, uh, I mean, I, I like doing reading. I just feel like, I'm, like you said, I feel like you were sitting here doing all the work, and here I am jumping in like every bit. So I kind of feel like I'm out of place with it. Although, oh, well, I like reading. I like acting, so I'm okay doing it. I. I feel bad when I read an entire story at someone and they don't have anything better to do. No, uh, I, I prefer, like, I mean, like, I, I enjoy doing this, and so, like, I, I want to preface this. I, I just personally work better, uh, like, doing the rants and going off materials. Um, commentary. Right, like, well, like us ranting before or how when we had the topics to go off of. Um, 
that's just more comfortable for me than reading from a script. Like I said, like me totally. reading the little bits like this, I'm perfectly fine with. Um, just saying, like more I feel naturally. Like, I feel like I knew that. I remember doing the Alien episode with you, and I had you read like several pages, and it came out. It came out fine. I I know that you can play a you can play a character. You know, I I know you'll you'll read lines, but I definitely uh, I got the impression that like really you you're the story is secondary the commentary is is uh, is the primary motivator of of the show no no the stories are great i am just not great at like storytelling yeah (laughs) that's that's fair i said i could do a little bit you know maybe you have you have done a little bit (laughs) you've done a little bit of storytelling i would uh, shout out to dad spaghetti (laughs) That's episode, I think, like, 72 or 73. Oh you, you absolutely read for the, I think, the crazy... You, you read for one of the kids or the crazy dad. I forget which one. That was a fucking crazy-ass story. I love that story. That's a the good fucking, story. Were they, like, government agents or something that came in at the end and all this weird yeah. shit? Yeah. The dad wasn't the dad. He was beating the shit out of the mom with a brick. He, yeah. It was some solid body snatcher bullshit. That was a good one. Yeah, man, this was a good one. I was trying to see. I wanted to pull up quick to see because, like, I typed this in, uh, just this no sleep, and uh, I just wanted to see if anybody had anything. And they said apparently they were working on a sequel, but they never came out with it. Huh. Um, it was it, it was, was like, around the same time of uh, you know the do do you remember the best stuff that was coming out at No Sleep four, four years ago? It was it was the search and rescue stories. It was the the, I'm a deep sea diver. Here's what I've, here's the weird shit I've found. And people just kind of, uh, f- fiction, fiction search and discover, uh, tales that were presented in a non fictional way to entice people. And I feel like this is exactly that type of thing where, where I already said it before we jumped into the story. It's the idea of someone saying, my job my profession that I am good at and have worked at for many years is to literally look outside at the world. And when you have to look outside enough, sometimes you can see the darndest shit. You know, it's, it's, I, it's setting itself up for that type of context. You know, it's the same as the search and rescue stories where they're saying, I work in the woods. Most people are afraid of bears. Let me tell you other things you should be afraid of, like staircases. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird, but it was the most popular shit at the time, and I, st- I still think there's a power behind it. I don't think this, this particular story was as good as like the search and rescue stories or the uh, the deep sea diver stories, but like it was still in the same vein. It was still like the I'm just a regular guy and I'm just I'm just shooting my shit. And it's yeah, it, I mean you put it best. Like it, there was like an era of like like you said like whether it was somebody's professions or experiences or whatever, and it's coming out and like this this definitely fits in with that time and. I just there are three or four Django episodes going towards episode 20 or 24 or something where all we read are search and rescue stories. I don't even think we finish reading search and rescue stories until until episode like 40 something. It's strawberry shortcakes. I think like second episode and 
there was so much material for that type of shit at that time that we just, we ate it up. I would say the first season of this show is, like, dedicated to, like, search and rescue stories. A slice of life type of shit. Yeah. Not so much anymore, which is why it's refreshing, you know. We're coming towards the 200th episode of this show, and we still can't quite nail down, like, all the defining factors of what makes, like, a no-sleep. You know, it's, it's so many different flavors, so many different directions you can go in. It's just spooky stories, man. I mean, spooky. you know, what, whether or not it's supposed to be a personal, you know, experience or, you know, just spooky stories in general, but... I mean, there's a lot of material, and yeah. some of these seriously get to you, man. Some of them, yeah. No, I if if uh, I feel like if I were to if I were to watch any type of horror film with a with a wide eyed bitch just kind of looking at me, I'd be pretty freaked out. Well, reading that part where it's talking about where she's like standing over the shoulder, and that's when he smiled and waved, but he had no idea she was there the whole time. Yeah. Like, wait, wait a minute. yeah that's some that's some hill house level ghostly haunting anyway this was episode 196 with gnarly charlie thank you so much for joining me on such a such a wonderful late night recording here uh 4 a.m dragging you on buddy (laughs) Well, I told you I, I napped for this and I have a day off, so I <laughs> I am more than happy to dedicate it to you. Um, do you have any, is there any, any messages for, for our audience that you'd like them to leave with anything you got from this story? Any, any life lessons? Uh, don't chase after crazy bitches coming out of cornfields. That's just a. I, I would I would sum it up as don't chase after crazy bitches. Right. Don't um, go chasing waterfalls. But on a <laughs> yeah, on a practical note, as we touched off with the beginning of the story, just be a good fucking person, man. You don't know what the fuck's out there. Right. You know, be be that air traffic controller. Tackle that fucking bitch onto the <laughs> ground. Go to jail. <laughs> I'm saying then, the opposite of what you're saying. Devil's advocate yes. always here on the opposite shoulder to make you feel like shit. So, uh, that, that was Gnarly Charlie. This, this is Captain Death giving you a last shout out. Uh, th- thanks, thanks for, thanks for listening, fuckers. Away to the day's end when the moon is high. Land until we stand at the shore.